Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Beef Sticks Podcast. We are just three days away from WrestleMania, and we got a pretty good show for you today. The show is going to be better than the WrestleMania is going to be, I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, probably, probably. Although the the, uh, the arena setup does not look like it's going to disappoint well, no, they're going to make it big, but as a lot of women will tell you, just because it's big doesn't mean it's going to be satisfying. <laughs> I, I know this personally. <laughs> Man, we got a lot of stuff for you guys this week. Um, we're bringing you our first top ten series. We call it the Hot Tag. The Hot Tag, the baby. Hot Tag. We're also going to finally be bringing you our Hall of Fame talks. We're going to discuss who's going in. Who's inducting them, how we feel about it. It's actually a pretty stellar year this year for Hall of Fame. I'll give them that. Yeah, this is the first year in recent memories that I recall pretty much everybody who's on the on the Hall of Fame. The the legacy is a bit, you know, but they're older wrestlers and I never followed that far back. Yeah, we'll we'll bring up a, at least one person on the legacy. I know there's there's one really big name. There's a few other folks. You know, I'm glad they do the legacy. I know they kind of do it as an afterthought and they throw it on the website. But it's nice for this to be a legitimate Hall of Fame, which I still don't completely feel it is a legitimate Hall of Fame. Right. But for it to be a legitimate... It's a company club. Yeah, but for it to be a legitimate Hall of Fame, you have to bring up the folks that paved the way. You have to bring up folks from the 1800s. I mean, pro wrestling didn't start when Vincent McMahon Sr., Decided he was going to start promoting the wrestling no, business. No, it started back in Rome in the Colosseum. When they got together and grappled <laughs> naked. God, I miss those days. <laughs> Didn't we just do that yesterday, Bubba? God, you're kind of needy. Well, yeah, we, we always do that on the build-up to WrestleMania. <laughs> we got to get our little Greco-Roman naked ass slapping in there. Bacon grease. Slather in bacon grease. Lick it off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, folks, we're not going to flood you with Paige today, so <laughs> we got that out of our system. And we'll also, <laughs> we're not going to flood you with reviews on Raw and SmackDown since there was not much to Raw or SmackDown. Uh, granted, I haven't finished watching SmackDown yet. It's already had more matches than Raw. <laughs> yes, yeah, WWE decided that we were not going to do reviews of Raw and SmackDown because WWE decided to give us very little to talk about. And it would just bore you folks. So we're going to give you more of us talking because that's what you want to hear. Because we say so. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Beefsticks listeners, it is the portion of the show where we introduce you to a locally brewed craft beer that we partake in here this morning at 9.30 a.m. We do this for you. I have here in my hands a Mad Butcher IPA. This is from the Mankato Brewery, brewed locally here in Minnesota, in Mankato, Minnesota. Pasty White, what are you drinking on? I am drinking Lift Bridge Brewing Company's Hop Dish. Hot shit. We're going down, down, baby. Oh, yeah, this is the wrestling podcast, not the right. rap podcast. I forgot. And this is from Stillwater, Minnesota. Uh, today is my first time partaking in this beer, but I find it exquisite and delicious. You know, I have it on good authority that this beer is brewed in the toilet seats of the Stillwater Maximum Security Prison in Stillwater, Minnesota. And by good authority, I mean I just made this up when I seen where it was brewed. Actually, that's where we at Beefsticks get all of our news. (laughs) Up top. (laughs) 
It's the most reliable source. Definitely. It's the most reliable source. So let's move on to the hot topics of this week. We got a lot to discuss here. Uh, what's the first thing on your list, Mr. White? Oh, we've got WrestleMania music has been announced for everybody who was worried that we wouldn't get our yearly dose of Florida. Don't worry anymore. We're getting Florida with Pitbull, Lunch Money Lewis, and Stephen Marley. Hey, you know, when you put lunch money onto the, onto the lineup, you got to watch it. Um, I'm excited for Stephen Marley. Definitely, I, I that came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it. It's not right. kind of their, their usual forte into music. I'm glad to hear that they're doing that. It excites me to, to hear what he does. Flo Rida, I don't think we need him again this year. I'm, I'm really getting bored with him. I mean, change change it to Flo Rida Mania, and maybe then then it makes sense a little bit as to why this same shitty pop artist. Nah, you can't even call him a rapper. He's, oh my God, apple <laughs> bottom jeans. Need I say more? And the boots with the fur, folks. You know, if, if nothing else, I will say that this solidifies him as a future induction into the WWE Hall of Fame celebrity wing. Wouldn't the second time he was on WrestleMania have solidified that? At very least. But yeah, I, I honestly think at this point, you know, people have been clamoring for Motorhead to get into the celebrity wing because they've done so many appearances and they've done Triple H's theme songs in the past. And and I think that's, that's a viable argument. I have nothing against Motorhead going in. Rest in peace, Lemmy. But yeah, I think Flo Rida... You know, despite whether you like his music or not, he definitely... I mean, listen, Drew Carey is in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. So, Flo Rider, I think, can definitely be in there. Oh, yeah, probably. No doubt. I just think, um, to all you Florida musicians who are listening to this podcast, you need to step your fucking game up. (laughs) We need some difference the next time WrestleMania comes to Florida (laughs) in two years. Because we can't seem to stay away from there. I don't know why the WWE likes to have outdoors matches during the daytime. It really kind of... With the Undertaker right. coming down to the ring at dawn when fire the lights still out. At dusk. Fire exploding. Dusk, thank you. <laughs> and you can hardly see the fire. Like, I don't know. What's the point in having all those lights if you ain't using them? That is a very good point. What else is on our agenda? Oh, we've got a couple of uh, additional stipulations to Raw matches. Ooh, shaking things up a week before. Yeah. What do we got? What What's the new news going in? Well, the Raw Women's Championship match is now elimination style. You know what? I like that. I like that they added that stipulation. I am not a fan of the multi-person title matches. I know that's one thing you and I disagree on. Oh, yeah. I love them. I love them. It makes it less predictable for me. And that's true. It does make it less predictable. If built right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not a fan, and we've we've discussed this verba- for a long time. We've gone back and forth on this. We talk about it on car rides and sitting on the couch and sometimes in bed when we snuggle up together, we argue over it. But I will say... If you're going to have a multi-person match for a title, it should always be elimination style. Yeah, I think so too. It really, um, you know, at least that way the the championship, or the title holder has to lose. Yeah, they have to lose. They can't, they can't let somebody else take the pin and lose their title. I feel if you're going to lose your title, you should have to be pinned or submit or lose in another way. You should have to lose your title. You should not have your title taken from you. 
Um, I am surprised, though. The SmackDown women's title match was at five women. They actually added Naomi now, so it's at six. Back from injury. Uh, the Raw was at four. I really thought that Raw was going to add Dana White. Dana White. Dana Brooke. <laughs> Got UFC on the brain here, folks. Uh, that they were going to add Dana Brooke. I would like to see Dana White get in the ring with all those women. Dana White would get his ass kicked, <laughs> and it would be hilarious. Vince would love it. Vince would just love it. That's that's something for WrestleMania 34 right there. Dana White versus the entire women's division. 35, 34, 35, <laughs> and 36 every year. No, I thought Flo for sure. With Flo performing during. I thought for sure they, they put in Nia Jax. I thought they were going to put in Dana Brooke. And then they were going to have five on the Raw side, five on the SmackDown side. That way it's symmetrical. It's all even. They're apparently, just not as OCD as you. Apparently not. Apparently they're not. It's one, one of my... One of my vices is OCD, alcoholism, and autoerotic asphyxiation. So, hey, we were know, just talking about that. We were just performing it, <laughs> choking about if, it. If words aren't said and only gurgles, it is not talking about. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, the Raw Tag Team Title Match is now a ladder match, which I believe. Makes it uh, Gallows and Anderson are more of a shoe in to win, with with uh, Sheamus and Cesaro bringing up the the secondary position for that match. They've been in the most ladder matches within the WWE, but I think with the hardcore stipulation, the ability to cheat, and everything, Gallows and Anderson are probably going to keep their titles. Yeah, Gallows and Anderson are the more <laughs> smash mouth team. Um, they know how to cheat to win, and as we've talked about before, in a ladder match, they're not going to have to cheat, but they're going to use nefarious measures to win. Yeah, it, it definitely gives them an edge. They're going to work with it. I also think that this helps my prediction that I talked about last week, where I think something's going to happen. Maybe Enzo is up on the ladder, just about to reach the title belt, and caskets maybe drop kicked or thrown into the ladder, knocks Enzo off. They don't get the title. One of the other two teams wins. And I think this starts the path of the split between Enzo and Cass. I think Enzo goes heel, Cass stays face. But I think this is where that story begins. I think they launch the split in this match here. I could definitely see that. I could also see, you know. With Enzo being, or Big Cass being as tall as he is, I could definitely see him using a three-foot step stool and winning the match. Uh, this, of course, is not realistic. I don't think they're going to win at all. But but that'd be, that'd be pretty good stuff to see. That that would be entertaining. It, it, it wouldn't be the first time they used a step stool in a ladder match. It wouldn't even be the second time <laughs> they used a step stool in a ladder match. So it would be interesting to see... Um, I like, which I have seen in, uh, in, in Ultimate X matches in TNA, which if, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's similar to a ladder match. Uh, I think a little more entertaining, at least a little more goes it's like into a, it's it. It's like a ladder match with a little bit more American Gladiators. But I've seen where, like, one contestant puts the other contestant on their shoulders. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see Big Cass throw Enzo up on his shoulders and have Enzo try to grab the titles down from there. I would like there. to see that would Enzo put Big Cass on his shoulders. Hey, there you, there you go. That'd be even better to see. <laughs> <laughs> that. that is going in the highlight reel right there. (laughs) 
I got a new beef sticks meme <laughs> in the making. <laughs> so, what do we got more on the WrestleMania side? There's a lot coming out of WrestleMania there this is. week. They're they're dropping a lot of it here late in the game. That's okay. Gets people talking. Keeps people talking. Since their two main shows are both Monday and Tuesday right away at the beginning of the week, they they need to be dropping stuff that keeps people talking throughout the week. Because you got about five days in between SmackDown and WrestleMania that you got to fill with stuff. And if folks aren't on the WWE Network and aren't watching the WWE YouTube page, they're just going to forget about a lot of it between then and now. All right. Speaking of dropping stuff... The king of dropping weight, Al Roker, will be the special guest ring announcer for the John Cena, Nikki Bella versus Miz and Maurice match. Yeah, this uh, this doesn't do anything for me. I don't have a problem with it. I don't I don't have anything against him being the special ring announcer. I just don't see what it benefits either. Well, like I was thinking, um, hurricane warnings. You know, he can keep an eye out while <laughs> while everything's going on and let everybody know. There's a big one barreling down on the coast. Right. Yeah, the, the only thing I can think of, Vince is looking at his celebrity wing of the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. He's noticing that the list of folks he can put in there is dwindling down. Of course, he has Flo Rida. Uh, <laughs> this year, uh, conspicuously absent is the Celebrity Hall of Fame induction. It appears they don't have a celebrity induction in this year's Hall of Fame. Little weird. They have for the last few years. It's been a, a staple. But the only thing I can think of is he's trying to shove names in as much as he can so that 10 years down the road he can induct Al Roker into the WWE Hall of Fame because he was special ring announcer at WWE WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, Florida. That's, I mean, that's all I can think of. I, I don't have any other reason why he's there. Part of me questions whether or not it's a political push, because maybe, maybe it's now that Trump is president and his wife's on the board and everything, maybe he's trying to push for, for celebrities who could potentially one day be politically in power. I could definitely see one day El Roker being mayor of New York. You know. I could see him being the mayor of the McDonald's play place. He, he's gonna he's gonna take over from Mayor McCheese. He's gonna run a more strict playland. The Hamburglar <laughs> is not getting away anymore. That creepy grimace guy is not gonna be watching the children play. And those weird ass fry guys that we don't know what they are will be exterminated. That's the platform that Roker is running on right there. Right, Roker, you know, Mayor- McDonald's play place. 2018. Mayor McCheese has been in the office for far too long anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, any other political news going on in WWE? Well, here's what's going on in your neck of the woods. Ooh. Yeah, Triple H says Roman Reigns is a heel. Ah, Roman Reigns (laughs) is a heel. That's that's news to me. Yeah, I think so. He um, came out in an interview saying that because the Roman Reigns gets booed from the fans... He gets the booyah treatment like Cena does, but it's more heavily boos. He, he says that um, because if they turned him heel, he would get more yays than boos. That isn't he already a heel in the in the fans' eyes if they're booing him? Isn't he already a heel? Okay, well I'm going to put this out here to the Beef Sticks podcast listeners. I want you folks to go onto our Facebook page. I want you to put in the comments here below on Spreaker.com, I want you to get in touch with us and let us know 
is Roman Reigns actually a heel right now, or is he a face that's failing at his job? Because this is the way I see it. I see it not so much that a face is the person that the fans have to boo. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, a heel is a person that the fans have to boo. I see it that a heel is a person that uses heel tactics, a la cheating, uh, manipulating title shots, using politics to their advantage, not being afraid to throw others' well-being under the bus, whether it be a partner, a manager, a female, to, to get their means. It's somebody who does nefarious deeds to enhance their own professional career. That's the way I see a heel. And Roman Reigns is doing none of those things. He's doing a lot of very babyface stuff. He comes out, he defends his honor, he protects other folks. You know, I look at the old NWO days, and when the NWO came out, after about five, six months there, they were getting cheers throughout the whole building. And I don't think anybody would go back and say, well, the NWO were the face of the company. You know, the heels were Diamond Dallas Page, Sting, Ric Flair, and Rey Mysterio. No, that isn't it. The NWO were the heels. They were just so cool and so over, they got cheered. NWO, they attacked folks to win. 90% of their matches ended when they were about to be beat by the face, and the rest of the NWO came out, beat the shit out of them, and got it disqualified, so they lost anyways. They beat Goldberg's streak with a cattle prod to win the title. They spray-painted people. Kevin Nash chucked Rey Mysterio like a lawn dart into the production truck. These are not face tactics, but they were still getting cheered. The way I see it, if, if Roman Reigns is a heel, turn him heel, have him do heel things, and a good heel will get the folks to boo him. Just like Kevin Owens gets people to boo him, just like AJ Styles did in his feud with John Cena. Everybody was booing Cena forever. AJ Styles came on the scene, got in a feud with him. People were cheering Cena left and right because AJ knows how to be a good heel. That That's my stand on this. That is the truth. But by your standpoint, then wouldn't uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero be a heel his entire career? Eddie Guerrero, cheat to win. He was a heel the majority of his career. There was a couple times when he first came into WCW, he actually came in as a face. And anybody who is a early to mid-90s WCW fan, which I may be the only one left, I'm not sure, would remember when he first came in, Mike Tanay even kept telling everybody, this is not the Eddie Guerrero that I know from Mexico. This is not the Eddie Guerrero from CMLL. This is not the Eddie Guerrero from AAA. We haven't seen the, the real Eddie Guerrero yet. And then he turned and he started berating Chavo Guerrero and he started using his heel tactics and he started cheating. And that was the real Eddie Guerrero. And I think the majority of his career, he really was. Let's not forget, this is a guy who put up the, the uh, paternal ownership of Rey Mysterio's son in a ladder match. <laughs> yeah. I'd say Eddie Guerrero was a heel the majority of his term. <laughs> you don't fight for another person's kid in a ladder match <laughs> and be a good guy, all right? <laughs> nah, maybe if you could give him a better home. Maybe maybe Rey Mysterio is a bad dude and we just didn't know it. I mean, he did kill a guy. That is true. <laughs> Rest in peace, Perry. Trying, I trying to get Rey Mysterio's <laughs> son out of a hostile home. <laughs> God bless you, Eduardo Guerrero. <laughs> And all you've done for the youth of Tijuana. <laughs> oh, 
want a shot of tequila now. Oh, God, that would be so good. No, it wouldn't at all. Nice shot of Patron, well, you know. maybe? Nice shot of Alberto El Patron, <laughs> who earlier this week got married to the harlot Paige. <laughs> You're the king of segues. You are the king of segues. You can turn anything I say into an opening for another story. I love it. Speaking of which, no. <laughs> McLovin's in the news this week. But no, uh, Paige, Paige, and Alberto Al Patron uh, tied the knot Wednesday. Hopefully, because we're recording this Wednesday morning. Yeah, yeah. So, so we hope this actually went through. Yeah, you know, I'm really glad to hear this. I'm happy. Brad for Maddox these shows two. up and objects. I object, Your Honor. I'm happy for these two. They seem to be a really good couple. They seem to really love each other. You listen to inter- interviews with El Patron. He honestly sounds like he cares about this girl. They both grew up in wrestling families. They both have wrestling in their blood. They understand the grind. They understand the business. You know, when they first got together, everybody was shitting on their relationship. Oh, she's just a child, and he's getting older. He's an adult. Nah, 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 nah. She was an adult. She was an adult his entire relationship with her. She's allowed to make those decisions. There's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful, and I really like the fact that this whole sex tape scandal didn't drive a wedge between these two and, and appears to maybe have made them stronger. I'm glad it didn't affect their relationship because I was honestly thinking there was a good chance that they'd be splitting up here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought there was a good chance of that too. Um, but El Patron put out this tweet here. Yeah, he, he put out a, Instagram. Uh, he put out, well, he's been on social media for a while now. Uh, he's been dropping a lot of hints that WWE is harassing Paige. He never really mentions that they're harassing him, and Paige hasn't said anything about it. But keep in mind here, listeners, Paige is still under contract to WWE, so she'd be smart to not say anything about this. I mean, it's risky with El Patron coming out saying stuff, but Paige definitely should not say anything until until she's no longer contracted or until they got everything worked out. I mean, she's right. smart about that. She wants her money, that's all. But one of these posts, very interesting, this was when he first announced they were getting married. Uh, it, it's a picture of Paige punching Elsa from Disney's Frozen. Not sure what the picture has to do with the post, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the post. I'm the Ice Queen, bitch! I'm going to read the post uh, word for word. It is written in broken English, so I'm going to read it as it's it's posted on Instagram. It says, from Alberto El Patron. You're add the accent, too. It doesn't matter how many times you try to break us. Is not gonna happen. We were harassed by a company. We still are. Cause you don't fool me, MFs. I know I was you trying to destroy us. Destroy my baby. This God, this is turning into a Russian accent. (laughs) I'm gonna start over, folks. So he said (laughs) that's my Spanish Russian Putin Putin it out there. So he says it doesn't matter how many times you try to break us. It's not going to happen. We were harassed by a company. We still are. Because you don't fool me, MFs. I know I was you trying to destroy us. Destroy my baby. She's better, stronger than all you pieces of poop emoji. We are getting married Wednesday. 
Have a nice and go f yourself, haters. <laughs> so he's he's putting it out there. Uh, he's calling out WWE. And he's letting everybody know they're getting married. This is the first I heard about it, so I don't know if it's just a spontaneous spur-of-the-moment thing or if it's something they've been hiding and he just decided he'd drop it. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, th- this came out two days ago, so was, you know that gave him three days to get the wedding underway. It's weird. To me, it almost sounds like he's blaming the WWE for the sex tapes being released. You know, and, and maybe part of him thinks that he is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he thinks they're responsible. He, he's obviously implying that they're harass or a company is harassing them, and the only company I can think of is WWE. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. Um, congratulations to them for their marriage, though, and, and for making it through these trying times. I uh, I would be put in a difficult position if if it came out to be I was with somebody and these sex tapes came out. Yeah, almost as difficult a position as Xavier Woods was in. Right, yeah. It had to be a difficult position. <laughs> he was not even moving. <laughs> I think he might have been unconscious, to be completely honest. They just gave him too much 151 and he blacked out. Right. And then Paige is like, I'm going to ride his cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, he's a, he's a bigger man than I, because I, I don't know that I'd have stuck around after all of that got released to the public. I, I'm a pretty petty gentleman. And, right. And, and for him to be petty would probably push his career more you know what i mean oh he could turn it into a whole gimmick i mean he could sell this to independent promotions you know and and start calling out the whole knight family apparently love is a real thing though i guess sweets raya ricky knight he could be calling out all of them and, and and make you know they they own icw in england i mean he could be making a career out of just this and he's choosing love over his career god bless the El Patron. Oh, in other news... There's more news? We got so much news today. You're not even reading off your news sheet because we got that much news. I'm not. I'm sitting here drinking a beer (laughs) and trying to figure out how I'm going to open the other beer because I don't got a bottle opener. (laughs) And then you handed me a lighter, which I don't know if I'm supposed to light the top on fire or what, but, you know... Another news, <laughs> Glenn Jacobs is running for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee in 2018. Now, this is something we've been hearing about for a little while. Glenn Jacobs? At least that Who is he Glenn has Jacobs? Uh, he's a dentist. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, uh, Isaac Yankum, DDS. Right? There you go, yeah. <laughs> also a frequent pornography theater patron. Pee Wee Herman and Yankum. They're back there spooging on the back of your head, folks. Don't turn around. It becomes a facial. Also, in the picture that I, on the article that I read, Kane is definitely showing his age more now than he did the last time I saw him. It's, it's like the Undertaker curse. The Undertaker's looking really rough. Yeah. Um, Kane, Kane is looking older. He's looking better than the Undertaker. Definitely looking better than Paul Bear, their dad. Because, you know, he's dead and rotting in a grave somewhere. So. Yesterday on Raw, Roman Reigns did say he was going to put the dead man down. Ooh, he's going to put him down. down. He's tired of carrying him around like a baby in his arms. Um, I kind of want to carry him around like a baby. I want to see how it goes. No. Um, so, yeah, Glenn Jacobs, who many of you will know as Kane, the big red machine. Machine. He, he's... 
he's actually a very intelligent man. If you listen to a lot of interviews and podcasts as I spend my, my worthless life that I have no friends, family, women, or anyone to care about me doing, you'd know that so many wrestlers point him out as the smartest wrestler they know or even the smartest man they know. He's very intelligent. He spent a lot of time in college. Um, he's been involved in politics for years. I mean, this isn't the, the big, dumb, muscle-bound oaf that we stereotype wrestlers to be, which isn't always the case. You look at someone like Xavier Woods, who, who doesn't perform well in sex tapes, but was actually a teacher while wrestling. When he was uh, Consequences Creed in TNA, he was actually an elementary school teacher. He's going for his PhD right now. I mean, there's some very intelligent, smart folks in the wrestling world that you you don't know about because they don't push that part of them. It doesn't help them in kayfabe to be smart unless you're Leapy Lanny Poffo, the brother of Macho Man Randy Savage, who they build as the genius and isn't that smart. Or if you go as far back as to uh, Dean Douglas, who many of you will know as Shane Douglas from ECW, when WWE in the early 90s made him a dean of the school, which, I mean, what's stupider than a dean of a school? As... Right. Not a principal. Animal a house! <laughs> Fucking stupid. <laughs> no, good for him. I'm glad he's going for it. Knox County. Go out there and vote, folks. Vote for him. Vote against him. Go out there and get your voices heard. If you live in Knox County... I want you to go out there and vote. If you don't want Glenn Jacobs representing you, go we out there and We want you to do him. voter fraud. Yes. If you don't live in Knox County, say you do and go vote. <laughs> if you can, get the Russians to put a microphone in the microwaves and uh, just more Trump shit. You guys don't want to hear about Trump shit on this. This is your escape from all the bullshit that we talk about. I'm going to get off that. Hey, Trump is fair topic on the podcast with him being in the Hall of Fame after all. Very true. You brought that up. He he is a WWE Hall of Famer in the celebrity wing, which is missing from this year's Hall of Fame inductions. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if the WWE is going to start inducting presidents. You know, I, I didn't think about it until you just brought it up. Do you think all the hoopla with Trump is the reason they don't have a celebrity induction this year? Because he is a celebrity WWE Hall of Famer, and maybe for as, as great of friends as they are, uh, Vince is trying to uh, separate himself. Uh, maybe more so because he's a publicly traded company and not for his, his own uh, thoughts and, and opinions on the matter, but maybe he's trying to distance himself from Trump. I didn't think about that till just this literal moment. I don't see Vince trying to distance himself from Trump. His wife is on the board. Yeah, you bring <laughs> up a good point there. It's hard to I distance feel like yourself as a, as a publicly there. traded company, you'd want to embrace that as much as possible. Even with the controversy behind Trump, that just it, it, it plays into all the controversy that wrestling used to have surrounding it. That's and true, but as, as, as your stock company to your stockholders... You don't want the wrestling type of controversy in your company. You want it to be a legitimate, this is the way it works. Once you start bringing in treason into the mix, you know, I mean, those are huge charges. You start bringing in impeachment. You know, I think there's a chance that maybe not Vince, but maybe the board of directors got together and said, Vince, 
This year, I think we just hold off on the celebrity inductions because we don't want anybody talking about Trump right now. It just just came to my head. It could be wrong. Could be me just just blowing shit up. Who knows? It sounds like fair game. <clears throat> With no uh, celebrity inducted into the Hall of Fame, that leaves us literally nothing to talk about there. The bare bones, if you must say. And as I was watching last night on the interwebs, I was watching them assembling the bare bones of the arena for WrestleMania, in which it appears that the entrance ramp is on top of the arena with, I would have to say, probably about a quarter of a mile long ramp going down to where the ring is supposed to be. It, it looks like a hefty walk. I will say I don't believe the wrestlers are going to start from the top of the ramp and come down. I believe there's going to be curtains and screens and all this put up probably almost halfway down the ramp that we are viewing. But that's that's still quite a hike. But they need it. They need Undertaker to have a 45-minute entrance. Right. I mean, that's that's in his contract. It's to make up for the fact that the Brock Lesnar and Goldberg match is not going to be very long. And, and, and by the way, I heard that that is the main event for the show. There you go. I'm telling you, a 10-minute Iron Man match right there. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and, uh... They should, they should bill the, the Goldberg-Brock Lesnar match as a no-time limit match. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just to get folks' hopes up. And then it's three minutes and 36 seconds. It's still the longest match they've had yet. (laughs) Right? Then then they can capitalize on that, too. At WrestleMania 33, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg had the longest match of their careers together. So, with with everything that they're building up in that arena, is is there room for a speculated roller coaster? See, I've been hearing about this roller coaster from, from places, but from the video I saw yesterday... Unless they're keeping this roller coaster heavily under wraps and constructing it elsewhere to be brought in by Crane just before, I don't see it. There's a lot of structure and framework going up for this for this entranceway, what I'm assuming is the entranceway. And I could see where people would assume, oh, that looks like a roller coaster. There's like this big circle and it's got multiple layers of things because they're going to put lights on it and whatnot. But, um... I don't. I don't know, man. I would like to see the roller coaster. Um, hopefully, you know, like maybe maybe the new day being the hosts could ride through the roller coaster in a unicorn car, and then they're riding the unicorns like everybody has the rainbow unicorn, <laughs> like everybody has speculated for years past, right? But yeah. as of right now, I'm not seeing it. See, I, I don't see them having a roller coaster there in the stadium. I, I see if this is true, there being two ways this is played out. One is the most obvious, and it's a pre-recorded segment. I can see WWE going to the local um, Florida Six Flags. Maybe even Disney. It isn't going to be Disney World. The, the, the local Six Flags in the area. Or, or anywhere where they happen to tape it. It could be in Colorado, where you know wherever they decided they had time to tape it. Isn't going to be Disney World. And, and, no, I won't. Vince McMahon is the Walt Disney of professional wrestling. <laughs> and they have and they have the New Day riding a, a legitimate roller coaster. They plaster their WWE WrestleMania logo everywhere. They throw unicorn shit on things. You know, I could even see them doing like a green screen and having them 
go all around the world having them roller coaster over the Great Wall of China <laughs> and under the Eiffel Tower and around the Statue of Liberty and maybe they bust straight through the the the, the amphitheater in Australia, the, the Sydney Opera House. Uh, you know, I, I could see something like that. Campy, funny, new day all the way. Oh, I yeah. would like to see something like that. The only other thing I see is maybe they come up with a small structure that has a track that's elevated above the entrance. And there's a, a, a small little roller coaster, one cart that the New Day sits in. And it rolls down and then kind of stops right at the entrance ramp and they get out of it. It'd kind of be a, a big intro similar to their giant box, box of bootios that they came out of the one WrestleMania I can see maybe something like that, but as far as an actual roller coaster running through the place, I, I don't think there's any way in hell they could get that around OSHA. I mean, there's right. just safety violations around the ass. If this venue is not set up for a roller coaster, you cannot put a roller coaster in it in less than a year minimum. It's not happening. Another thought I have is possibly this quote-unquote roller coaster is a transport device to get heavier superstars down the ramp, much like they did back at the Royal Rumble with these golf carts. They were hauling the larger guys, including Big E, down to the ramp on the back of golf carts. Maybe they include it just just goes down the ramp, around the ring, and comes back up, you know? If you wrestling fans have not seen this yet from last year's Royal Rumble, they well, this, this, this year's year. Royal Rumble, the, the last Royal Rumble... They actually had golf carts bringing the wrestlers down from the entrance to the ring so that they could get down there quicker. You know, you got the 30-second the time They're not time so limit tired once that. they get down there. But the, and, that, and that's fine, and I get it. There, there's nothing wrong with it. I like the idea. The funny thing was when, <laughs> when uh, photos surfaced of, like, Big Show <laughs> coming down there on it and Braun Strowman coming down on these tiny little golf carts, and it's it it was amusing. Nothing wrong with it. I there's 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 nothing I have to say negative about it. It was just very amusing to see Braun Strowman riding wee on this little golf cart down to the ring. You know what would have been better? Segways. Segway. Can Braun Strowman? I don't think Segways are built for Braun Strowman I and Big see Show weight. Braun Strowman and, and and Big Show in a Segway race. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of segues, speaking of segues, Eva Marie is no longer all red everything, as she has dyed her hair to darker colors. It's either very dark brown or black. Um, it looks better. Uh, I guess also in rumors, Eva Marie might be leaving the company. Does the carpet match the drapes? That's what I want to know. We'll have her on the show next week and find out. Sounds good. I'll have her in the bedroom before that, and I'll know for sure. Eva Marie, have your people contact my people. I A or yeah, I E Fat Mac here. <laughs> I'm I A. You're I B. I E. It's us. I see. <laughs> no, this this doesn't affect me much at all. Uh, Eva Marie is okay to have. She definitely creates controversy. But she's unnecessary. I haven't missed her since she's been gone, and I'm not going to miss her if she's completely gone. I don't want to see anybody lose their job, but I have a feeling a young, beautiful woman like herself is not going to have a hard time finding right. somebody a job who's never out there. had background in professional wrestling anyway. Yeah. She'll be fine elsewhere. She's going to do good. You know, um, 
yeah, I've got really nothing much to say on that. I don't want to see anybody have to leave, but there's so many talented women on the roster right now, a lot of whom don't get the opportunities they deserve. So, you know, this is the spot for uh, Emma, formerly known as Emmalina, formerly known as Emma, to step up and take her spot back. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think um, Emma needs to come back. She's one of my favorite women's wrestlers, uh, has been since, well, I guess since since she got caught shoplifting and, and was forced to come back with a heel gimmick. Shh, WWE doesn't want you to remember that she was a shoplifter. Oh, come on. Her her theme song should be Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction. <laughs> Been caught stealing once when I was five. Now they put me on XT and I gotta be heel. <laughs> yeah, I... And it's just a another I've tag match. I liked Emma. I liked her in NXT. She was the goofy, bubbly, kind of awkward. I mean, she literally came up with bubbles. They had the bubble machine going. She'd come out there. She did the Emma dance. If you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube and find a 10-second clip of it. It was it was cute and fun. It wasn't amazing. It was an awkward dance with somebody who looks like she doesn't know how to dance. She came down to the ring, goofy. She'd do the classic uh, flip over the ropes to get into the ring, but she would get stuck halfway, and then she'd start kicking and flailing her legs to try to get over the rest of the way. It was entertaining. I enjoyed it. It made me laugh. And the truth is, before she she got injured and went out on hiatus, she was really stepping up her game. She was learning to wrestle. She was getting better. I don't want to see Emma go. I want to see her take this opportunity to steal a spot from Eva Marie and step up her game. We need more talented women on the roster. You can say they got a lot of good talented women on the roster, and yet this WrestleMania, having uh, 47 matches, no, I believe it's 14, 15 matches, there's only two women's matches. Out of 14 or 15 matches, there's no reason they couldn't have Four, at least four women's matches. Right. They don't have to save time for Goldberg-Lesnar. Yeah, definitely not. That's going to be a short match. Even if it's a long match by their standards, it's still going to be a short match. I can't believe that's going to be what closes out WrestleMania. Yeah, so Eva Marie, you know what? I I wish you the best. I hope everything goes good for you. But yeah, I'm fine with you being off of our WWE TV Oh, too many acronyms here. It's not like she was ever going to fight anyway. Right? Uh, do we got anything else going on in the news today? Oh, um, speaking of overlooked superstars, um, it appears that Neville and Austin Aries have been pushed back to the, uh, the pre-show of WrestleMania, along with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Say it isn't so. No, um, you know what? I'm okay with this only and only because Austin Aries seems to be okay with this. This man is holding himself like a true professional, like a true champion. I'm not saying this sarcastically. I know you you think you're waiting for me to drop the bomb on him whining or something. No, he put out a tweet earlier uh, that said, I'm never relegated to anything. I'm just who you add to things you need to elevate. Hashtag WrestleMania. Pre-show is now must-see. Hashtag The Elevator. I hope WWE runs with the elevator gimmick. Um, makes him be the guy 
who opens up, all the shows. Well, and, it doesn't even have to be that, but makes him be the guy who ups the ante for any and everything. This this is on par to be perhaps the best WrestleMania pre-show ever. Adrian Neville, Austin Aries, cruiserweight title. These guys, especially after being pushed onto the pre-show, they're going to do everything in their power to be the match everyone's talking about at the end of the day. And that's oh, yeah. big shoes to fill when you're the opening match. Um, I see nothing but great things in store. I mean, how great would it be for, for NXT to come in, step it up with their takeover, which is actually takeover, I guess, is being held in the NXT arena, which is... Full Sail University, yeah, which they're there it's in weird. Florida. There's no reason they shouldn't. Yeah, I, but I usually they get a bigger spot for it. Uh, I don't know. This is it their <laughs> biggest takeover? No, which, it, by uh, far I would say it's be, probably the smallest takeover. Being the WrestleMania takeover, <laughs> I, I don't like to say that. But it is true, this isn't their biggest takeover. But I'm okay with Actually, that. Actually, until now, there is only four matches billed for NXT TakeOver. Yeah. I'm assuming there will be more developments tonight. Uh, I know also tonight, um, uh, Cassius Ono is fighting the Drifter, and the loser has to leave uh, NXT. The Drifter, my favorite NXT wrestler. I'm sorry, did I say favorite? I meant least favorite. (laughs) And actually, you might have seen, because they record episodes far in advance, I already have seen what happens. Um, Spoiler alerts, I guess. Fuck you guys. (laughs) The Drifter loses. He comes back with a Lucha gimmick. Same guy, same guitar, with a Lucha mask, and he's singing in Spanish. Uh, I I think that's a much better gimmick for him. (laughs) Uh, I want to see him face El Barba Grande (laughs) from from Southpaw Regional Wrestling, El Barbara Grande takes on the new luchador drifter. Uh, no, honestly, you know what? Oscar Ember Moon that could easily be the match of the night. That that could that could take Bobby Roode Ono easily. I'm excited. Oscar Ember Ono's Moon, not fighting Bobby or, or not, uh, Nakamura. Sorry, uh, Nakamura. I'm sorry. Nakamura. Um, I mean, the sky's the limit for both these women. I I I got nothing but. Uh, but great hopes for both Asuka and Ember Moon, and the two of them together is like, it's like a picture being painted on the canvas in front of you as you watch it. You watch it begin, you see it grow, you see the outcome. Bob Ross would come in his pants after he beat the devil out of him. He would make a happy little tree. He would make a happy little splat. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah, this NXT might not be the best, but it'll have some great matches. Uh, uh, getting back on <laughs> to the subject, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Adrian Neville and Austin Aries opening now that I got that tweet. When I first heard it, I was not happy about it, especially given some of the matches that are on WrestleMania that don't deserve the the big spotlight. Yeah, um, you know, and they've both been pushing the envelope on 205 Live. 205 Live got off to a really rough start, and it wasn't until Neville came in that they started gaining some steam. With Austin Aries coming back to the ring after his injury and after his stint as an announcer, these are the two top guys in 205 Live. I feel like they should have a second-half match in Mania, where it's in the second half of the show. But with them opening the show, it's going to set the pace for what's hopefully a high-octane night. I'm really hoping that WrestleMania impresses us more than what it's coming out as. 
Uh, the card has been fairly disappointing. The matchups have been fairly disappointing. A lot of the a lot of the buildup has been disappointing, save for say the the Bray Wyatt Randy Orton match. Yep. Um, Shane AJ. Shane AJ. Yeah. I don't think they've been building it long enough. At least not directly building it long enough. Indirectly, yeah, they've been building it. Yeah, since. the story's been there forever, <laughs> but the actual buildup between two of them, yes, has been short but sweet. Backstage segments. AJ not knowing where the hell he is, that kind of stuff. If you don't know what we're talking about, just check any of the last couple of episodes of our podcast. We have covered it weekly. Um, Weekly, monthly, and yearly. Police are going to have to come again. (laughs) You're all about the music today. I'm mad. I've got music in my soul today. (laughs) I got to... I got the music in me. Nigga, it's coming together like sweaty ass cheeks, nigga. (laughs) Man, you're making me do some editing work later. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Uh, There's nothing wrong with a classic Dub C quote. Come on. If y'all don't listen to Dub C, stop listening to our shit. And I suppose uh, we can end the segment with uh, another return trip to the Broken Universe. Yeah, the the tag titles. Yes, Matt and Jeff Hardy this week sunk the TNA tag titles into the lake of rejuvenation and brought them back as the Broken Brilliance tag team titles. Broken Brilliance tag team titles. I like the name. I love the name. I do. I hope I hope it, it shows and I hope they're able to take these titles to any show they sign to. They should. And you know what? They're doubling down on the fact that they're going to own the Broken trademark because... There's still a legal battle going on with that. Um, it, it very well looks like the Hardys are going to be able to walk away with the broken trademark, but it's still up in the air, so they're doubling down on this whole they're owning the broken universe deal. Apparently, Rebby Sky closed down shopmatthardy.com. Uh, I know she is pregnant again, and she's not able to keep up with everything, expecting a second child. Right, right. But it could also have something to do with TNA garnishing rights from these products. Well, I mean, why couldn't Senior Benjamin just take over? Right, right. <laughs> uh, actually, that leads me into another thing, too. Um, the contract negotiations with Matt and Jeff Hardy, with between J- Matt and Jeff Hardy and the WWE, have only been released as specifically for Matt and Jeff Hardy and none of the rest of the Broken Universe. No King Maxwell, no Senior Benjamin. And you best believe... If the Hardys do end up owning the trademark to the Broken Universe, two things. One is that WWE will not use their trademark on WWE TV. WWE is going to own whatever proprietary interest they have in the Hardys. And number two, the Hardys are not going to sell the trademark to the Broken Universe to WWE. They will hold on to it. That doesn't mean I. they would still wrestle in WWE as Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys, Team Extreme, if you will. But I, they will not give up that. If they've fought this hard for it, there's no way they're going to sell it to WWE. But there's also no way WWE is going to use it if they don't own it. I'm just hoping there's a way they can come to terms with it. I want to see the Broken Hardys in WWE in some kind of either a feud or a partnership with, with Bray Wyatt. That would be epic. You know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you again, only for the fact that I don't think WWE would do it justice, and I don't see, if in a perfect world, 
the Broken Hardys could come in and do whatever they wanted to with their Broken Universe, yes, I would love to see that in WWE. I would love to see it with the Wyatts. I would love to see it with Kane. I would love to see it go a thousand and one different directions. You got the, um, not the Decay, the Sanity. You could you could work Sanity in there with it, you know. Oh, yeah. You got the Midnight Express that's going into the Hall of Fame, you know, and they were left. Uh, who, who Rock and it? Roll Express. Uh, Rock and Roll Express. Was Ricky Morton was left up on the ladder during their, their tag <laughs> He's still up there. Or the, He's the still cherry up there. picker, not the ladder, the yeah. cherry picker. He's still up he there. He never got off the, the cherry picker. So I would love to see all of that. <laughs> But the way WWE works, I don't want to see the Broken Universe at all in WWE. I want them to keep that for themselves. I want them to keep it if they for keep their it for themselves. Bookings. That's uh, cool. But don't sign with WWE. Then I do not want to see the Hardy Boys come back as Team Extreme because to me, that's 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 no more special than the Dudley Boys coming back. Yeah, it's good for a couple of pops here and there, but then it's just old guys. Doing things that the younger guys should be doing, but but now look at this as a business and think of uh, long term investments. Go to the WWE, sign a one year contract, get a giant payday because they're getting a giant payday when they sign. Then in a year, you have all that money you can invest into your. I mean, they they still got Omega running their own wrestling program. Invested in Omega, maybe invested in Ring of Honor. Maybe buy TNA from that owl man. You know, take this money, or maybe just just use the money to create better uh, uh, skits and vignettes. I mean, why not spend a year in in WWE doing Team Extreme just to extend the life of this broken universe? A year's a long time. A year's a long time, and I see the broken universe to be forgotten. The seven deities will never allow that to happen. Um, you know what? Speaking of uh, buying Ring of Honor, there are also rumors, well, not not rumors, there are confirmed reports that WWE is interested in investing in Ring of Honor. Now, that's where the reports get a little muddled. There's reports that they want to buy Ring of Honor. There's reports that they want to buy or... Uh, um. Gain rights to the video library. Correct, yeah, yeah. Get get rights to the video library to where they just pay Ring of Honor for the use of some of their footage, which they've already done in the past. Look at um, CM Punk's uh, Greatest in the World DVD. They had Ring of Honor footage that that they cited as Ring of Honor footage on there that they paid Ring of Honor for. And, um, you know, look at look at the roster right now. Seth Rollins... You got him. That's a Ring of Honor guy. Yep. Samoa Joe. You got him. Ring Kevin of Owens. Honor. Kevin Owens. Ring of Honor. Sami Zayn. Ring his, of Honor. Well, his mentor, yeah. uh, El Generico, <laughs> was in Ring of Honor. You got AJ Styles was in Ring of Honor. You've got Roderick Strong was in Ring of Honor. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of folks that are big names in WWE right now who have put time in Ring of Honor that they could definitely use that footage of. There's uh, other speculation that maybe WWE wants to air Ring of Honor footage on the network, uh, air their weekly show on the network. Now, quite a few months ago, it was sometime uh, fall of last year, Yeah, um, folks that, that are on the WWE mailing list there's random surveys that come out. Um, not everyone gets them. Some people do. 
one of the the deals in one of these surveys asked about a, a, a pay system in WrestleMania or not in Wrestle in the WWE Network, similar to how like Hulu or Netflix has it, where you could have a cheaper version of the network for less than the nine ninety nine. You could have the regular network for nine ninety nine, and you could get a boosted network for more than nine ninety nine. I don't remember quite what the the less version was. I, I believe it was I believe the big there was, four. I believe there was even a free version where you'd only get access to specific shows on the thing with no pay per view access and and no raw replays. That, that's very possible. Maybe just archived footage, stuff like that. But on the um, on the on the tier that was above the nine ninety nine, one of the things they asked was if fans would want to pay extra. To see shows other than WWE aired on the network. And they dropped names. They dropped Evolve. They dropped Progress. They dropped Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. They dropped ICW. Which now with the stuff with Paige might seem a bit of a long shot. But they also dropped Ring of Honor. Um, So they had mentioned airing their show on the network before. And uh, their... might or Joe Coff, not Jack Hoff, but Joe Coff, who is the CEO of Ring of Honor, did do an interview not too long ago about this subject. And he said, and I quote, it's very flattering and humbling to us. It validates what we've done. A lot of their current performers and stars are Ring of Honor guys, and we own their history. So maybe the content of backstories of Kevin Steen before he became Kevin Owens or AJ Styles' run in Ring of Honor, Tyler Black, who's now known as Seth Rollins, Claudio Castagnoli, now known as Cesaro, Cesaro. all of the guys who have wrestled for us, we have their backstory and where it began. That's our content. He went on to say that he was open to sharing the tape library as it would help their promotion grow. He says... I'm always open to any conversations. We do business with them if they want to do a DVD or a video on demand. If they need footage from early matches, they do come to us and we will provide it. We are open to work with them on that basis because that doesn't hurt us. Actually, it helps us. So in that same interview, Joe Coff made it very clear that there is not a deal of a buyout pitched by WWE. Now, that just means WWE hasn't come forward and legitimately said they want to buy them out. That doesn't mean WWE isn't interested in it. That just means, as of now, there are no talks of them buying them out. However, it won't be surprising if uh, Ring of Honor tapings are available on the WWE Network. And I think it would help sell sales to the network. I think that would sell subscriptions right there. I think there's a lot of folks right now... I think ROH and New Japan are, are the heavily talked about shows. And I think some people who now that, that, that indie wrestling is getting more mainstream and kind of feel out of the loop would love to find a way to get into that but don't know how to find it. Not right. like some of us out here who watch it pretty regularly. They don't know how to come across it. And I, I think would love would to have all to my wrestling it. in one place. And yes, I would be willing to pay upwards of, what, $15 a month for it? I'm fine with that. Uh and, and if we get this deal with Ring of Honor, then, you know, next is New Japan. They're partnered with Ring of Honor. They're partnered with Impact. So, 
you know, it's only a matter of time before everything is on one hub. And I think that's the way it should be. That is they true. should all be allowed to be their own entities and put out their own product. But another thing Triple H had said in the same interview I read was that Raw and SmackDown are the pop. It's pop. It's pop music of wrestling. Yep, that's that's what you turn your radio station on and you listen to is, is Raw and SmackDown. It's meant for the casual viewer. Whereas things like NXT and 205 Live are more for the hardcore viewer. And I would like to see the network gear down more in that direction. Because the network should be for the hardcore fan. You're not paying $10 a month to have this to just watch pay-per-views. Right. You know, most people Although have it this. is worth the money right. if oh, you yeah, do invest is. in it just for that. <laughs> it definitely is. The three pay-per-views I would buy in a year are far more expensive than... than Buying it out right for the whole year. Yeah, well, at ten dollars a month, that's hundred and twenty bucks. That's two pay per views right there. Right. Depending on what your 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 cable or satellite provider is, it could be more than that. See, and for me, I would have to. For me, it was always I had to get SummerSlam, I had to get Hell in a Cell, I had to get WrestleMania. Those were my three. Yep. <clears throat> you know, and and wouldn't it be great if maybe we could merge the casual wrestling fan or the E fan? and the hardcore wrestling fan, to where there almost isn't a difference anymore. Uh, it would piss off the IWC if the IWC actually exists anymore. What and that's doesn't a piss for, off the IWC? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, and, and if they even exist anymore, is a debate for another show. But I, I as a peace-loving man, who loves to offend everybody, but as a peace-loving man, I would love for the E-fan and the hardcore fan to merge together and and be able to talk about wrestlers and events and shows and matches without the other one being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I agree fully. With that, I believe it is time for us to get into our next subject. Now for the moment you guys have been waiting three weeks for. Our WWE Hall of Fame synopsis. Ooh, synopsis. Synopsis. The big words, I love this. Snap into a Slim Jim. I say we start (laughs) at the bottom and work our way up to the people we don't give a shit about, to the people that we love and look forward to seeing in the future. So with that, I'm going to say Eric Legrand, uh, who I've never heard of before he's getting this Warrior Award. Uh, the little bit they told me about him, I don't give a shit. He's like paralyzed, and now he can hop on one leg and do hopscotch or something. I mean, you know what? If, if I knew him and, I, and he was my family member, I'd probably be super proud of him and, and teary-eyed. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I think this this it's just pandering, pandering to the to the stockholders and and things. Oh look, we do charity work, or you know, yeah, we're, they, we're, you know, they've just... molested this this warrior award <laughs> so badly. Where it started out when they inducted the warrior and he talked about how we need an award for the people backstage who put their heart and soul into it. The people who are here every day and don't get the recognition. And he was talking about the writers and he was talking about the people that set up the ring. And he was talking about the cameramen and the producers and he was talking about all this stuff. And WWE looked at it and said... We can exploit this. Right. And it turned into this whole... And and you know what? I loved the Connor the Crusher. It it even actually made me uh, well up a little. I didn't cry, but I welled up a little. The whole Connor the Crusher thing. I I dug it. It's stupid. I think it needs to go. I know it's not going anywhere. 
Yeah. He's he's said to be inducted by Dana Warrior. Um, Who she's probably going to do all of them as long as she's physically able to. It's kind of WWE's way of saying, you know what? The, the stress of Warrior coming back to WWE probably killed him. We're sorry. We're going to give you the Vicky Guerrero treatment. And since it's our fault that your husband died, we're just going to keep putting you on TV and giving you a paycheck. Until you die. That's the way I see it. And then their hands are washed clean. Yep. One hand washes <laughs> the other. Up next, uh, we got Ravishing Rick Rude being inducted by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be Rick Rude when I was a kid. I mean, when I was like eight or nine years old... I was like, God, I want to go in there and gyrate my dong on women's faces. I think he's the one that turned me into a pervert. <laughs> probably. Probably. I know he, he had a little bit of influence on us all. <coughs> you think um, Bobby Roode ever wanted to grow up to be Rick Roode? I would love for them to do like a kayfabe storyline where their family... I think, I think Bobby Roode took a lot of his original character from Rick Roode. Um, they, they do spell it differently. Bobby Roode's is R O D E. Uh, Rick Roode is R U D E, as in being rude. Uh, he's definitely on my list of people who have never held a WWE World Championship and should have. I think him and Kurt Henning are at the top of my list for that. For for ones that have never and should have. Uh, on the lines of Kurt Henning, Rick Roode was really huge in the AWA back in its prime. That's kind of where he got his start. Him and Scott Hall were actually very similar characters back then. Look up Scott Hall from the AWA days. Look at the porn stash. It's funny. There you go. <laughs> you might not recognize him. But yeah, him <laughs> and Scott Hall were, were very similar characters. Rick Rude was big in the NWA and in WCW. Fun fact, and I hope they bring this up, especially since they own WCW and they don't seem scared to talk about the Monday Night Wars. This is a fun fact that Rick Rude is the only wrestler to have appeared on WWE Monday Nitro and, or WCW Monday Nitro and WWE, well, at the time, WWF Monday Night Raw on the same day. Back in 96, the way Raw was still doing it was every other episode was live. And what they would do is they would tape two episodes a night. Remember, this was back when it was only two-hour Raws. So they would tape the first Raw live, and then they would do a recorded Raw afterwards. Well, Rick Rude was on Monday. He recorded live. Then he recorded the taped version. Then he ended up leaving uh, in very unscrupulous manner, going to WCW. Remember, Rick Rude was the guy uh, behind DX. He was the bankroll. He was the, uh, the enforcer. It was him... And Triple H, and then it was Shawn Michaels. Well, then they brought China in, and they didn't really need Rick Rude anymore. And Rick Rude left, and he kind of took the place that the Million Dollar Man left in NWO as the muscle and the financer. He never really did anything in the NWO, except for the fact that he was the WWE guy who left and was on the same, or on two different shows the very same night. That's something that will never happen again, obviously. Right. Uh, who's inducting him this year? Uh, like I said, Rick Rude is being inducted by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky the Dragon. Ah, great. They've had great matches together. Uh, they're in the annals of NWA history. We're not talking Eazy-E and Ice Cube here, folks. 
We're talking about Ricky Steamboat, Rick Rude, Ric Flair. NWA was riddled with Ricks. Rick Sanchez in a different universe, in a different dimension, was NWA champion at one point. Leader of the Wolf Pack. The Rickiest Rick, baby. <laughs> oh, who else do we got? Beth Phoenix is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. The Phoenix is rising from the ashes. Yes, she is. Uh, most well known for her duo with Santino Morella, whether that's a good or bad thing. See, me, I know her more from her role with Boogeyman when she had the weird growth on her face and he ate it off. Nobody that remembers Boogeyman. What are you talking I about? I love the Boogeyman. I loved the Boogeyman. He had such a unique character. He was gone far too soon. And she's being inducted by Natalia. Those two had a team together and they also had a brief feud together. Um, not history-making stuff, but as far as people who could induct her, you know, honestly, I'd put either Santina or Santino... Well, it could be Santina. Remember when Santina was co-holder of the uh, women's title with Beth Phoenix for yep. a time? Yep. He could come out as Santina and induct her. <laughs> or Natalia. I, I think that works. Who else do we got? Oh, the, this is where we start getting into the good stuffs. Diamond good stuff. Dallas Page. Self-high five. Yeah. This guy was the cornerstone of WCW when the NWO was taken over. He was the first guy to stand up to them and actually bring the fight to them. In fact, I believe he was the first guy to turn them down. Um, in real life, DDP, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall were really good friends. Actually, from back in their WCW days, when um, Kevin Nash was Oz who was a goofy kind of character who literally portrayed a wizard. And Scott Hall was the Diamond Stud. And Diamond Dallas Page was... They, they kind of had a... They, they had a um, a clique together. They had had a group together. And, and Scott Hall was the Diamond Stud. He had the Diamond Cutter. Um, or the Diamond, diamond Edge. Diamond, diamond Edge, I'm sorry. <laughs> So those two went way back, and when the NWO was going, they wanted DDP to be the guy to stand up. He had, and for those of you who don't know, DDP started his wrestling career really late. Uh, he was in his 30s before he started mm-hmm. actually wrestling. Uh, this guy is getting inducted by Eric Bischoff, who some might think is weird during the NWO feud uh, DDP and Eric Bischoff had a lot of heated words against each other. They had a lot of bad things to say. They hated each other. In real life, they were best friends backstage. DDP got Eric Bischoff into WCW. And in fact, they're friends from back in the early 90s in WWE. Uh, Eric Bischoff was trying to... He, he was working there, uh, here and there. He was trying to get a job as an announcer. There's footage of Eric Bischoff actually interviewing a mop for Vince McMahon because they wanted they wanted to get some test footage of him and they were like sell this mop to us and Eric Bischoff famously flops <laughs> he did horrible <laughs> on it he went on to bigger and better things than interviewing mops in WWE so don't cry for him and Diamond Dallas Page actually drove the pink Cadillac for the honky tonk man down to the ring at one of the WrestleManias, I'm not sure which one, it escapes me at this moment, but it was one of the early 90s pay-per-views. Uh, the only reason DDP was the driver of the pink Cadillac for the Honky Tonk Man 
is because he just happened to own a pink Cadillac. And so the WWE used him. Remember, this was the days when WWE was broke and just did whatever they could. This isn't the current days where WWE throws money on fucking roller coasters and and shit like that. (laughs) This was the day where they were like, does anybody know where we can get a pink Cadillac? And somebody was like, yeah, you know that one guy who helps set up the ring has a pink Cadillac? Let's get him to drive the honky-tonk man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad to see him. For all he's done for... People who are already in the Hall of Fame, that right. alone, oh, yeah. forget his wrestling career. you got to think about it, too. This man probably could be the most contributed to a lot of these legendary superstars who are still wrestling today. You know, Chris Jericho wouldn't be wrestling if it wasn't for DDP. Okay? At least not at the, at, not at, at yeah, the level not a, he's wrestling right. now. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I can almost guarantee you, Scott Hall... And Jake the Snake Roberts would not be Hall of Famers right now if it weren't for DDP. Because WWE was not going to take a gamble on putting those two into the Hall of Fame with their track record of substance abuse and the way they were behaving. They were still on footage doing horrible, uh, degrading, embarrassing things. Very embarrassing. Up things. until the point that DDP got there. If you haven't seen the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, watch, go it. watch it now. It's on YouTube, I believe. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is on Netflix. You're right. It's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, watch it. It's worthwhile. It's a great documentary. It focuses on Jake the Snake it's Roberts, very but it's emotional, also... very moving. Oh, and it also has Scott Hall on there. And of anybody who who has been through substance abuse or has friends or family members who have gone through substance abuse, this is real. This is gritty. It's unadulterated. It's unfiltered. It's unflattering. It's not always fun to watch. But it's educational. And like you said, it, it's heartwarming. Yeah. There's times that you just shake your head and, and you want to cry out of sadness and, and out of despair. But there's times you just want to smile or you just want to cry out of glee and joy for what they've done. Now, I know I'm going to get dirty glare here. Probably some groans from you guys in internet land. But my favorite DDP was the short stint he had in the WWE as The Undertaker's wife's stalker. That was an amazing storyline, and I loved it. Oh, we have to disagree again, basically. Oh, I know we do. I know we do. (laughs) Probably my least favorite DDP thing. But it's the only thing he did in the WWE, really. It is. And and ironically, it has been mentioned by Sting as one of the reasons he took so long to join WWE. Because he didn't want another DDP stalker angle. (laughs) It was good. It was good. And it got the DDP character over in my eyes. Yeah, he got buried by Taker, but... Who doesn't get buried by Taker? Right. Literally, literally buried alive matches, casket matches, yeah. Oh, man, how cool it would be if Roman Reigns and Undertaker was a casket match. Or buried alive. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love me some DDP. And, you know, maybe one day he'll sponsor us and we'll be hawking his yoga program to you guys. Maybe we already are. DDP yoga turned my life around. I used to be a size double D man tit, and now I am a size C man tit. (laughs) (laughs) DDP puts the bang in your buck. Who else we got? We got Teddy Long. Play a play a play a play a play a play a holla. Holla, holla, holla. 
Teddy Long is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year by none other than the APA. I'm going to make it a tag match, player. <laughs> and he did make it a tag match. Uh, JBL and Ron Simmons, or as some would say, Farouk and Ron Simmons. Inside joke there, folks. <laughs> JBL and Ron Simmons are going to induct Teddy Long, which I, I think is great. I have no problem with that. I know that they were great friends outside of the ring. I know that they go way back again to WCW NWA days, so they've known each other forever. Uh, Teddy Long belongs here, definitely. Oh, yeah. He's done so much as a general manager. He's done so much as a manager. I really, I need to dig deeper into the archives and see where it all started from. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about it in the Hall of Fame ceremony. Oh, yeah. 80s. Teddy Long was huge in the 80s. Go look it up. Teddy Long is still huge. I mean, just look at his pants. I'm saying, he's huge in in any generation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited to see him being inducted, though. He's always been entertaining. He's always been fun to watch. Yeah, he's made some shitty tag matches, but... It was his gimmick. It was his gimmick, and they they worked with him. He probably didn't come up with it himself either, but he made it work, and he made it work better than other people would have. He's been a better general manager... Than Mick Foley. Oh, yeah. By and, far. and I like Mick Foley better, but way better general manager than Mick Foley, easily. By far. And I mean, it's Teddy Long. I would like, to, he's one of the few GMs who I would like to see be a GM again. And he could. And he, he easily could. could. He has the charisma. Hopefully, his induction ceremony doesn't kill him. <laughs> Also going into the WWE Hall of Fame is a tag team that is always in the talks for the greatest tag team of all time. And I I got to tell you, this is a tag team I grew up with. I told you in our first, our very first initial podcast that I was an early 80s NWA WCW guy. As well as I professed that I am not. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express is going into the Hall of Fame long overdue. Yeah, very much so. And especially with their bout at the Hardy Compound recently, they definitely deserve it. I don't know if Ricky Morton ever got off the cherry picker. I want to see them get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he's not via, in sight? No, I want it via Vanguard 1, <laughs> showing video of him in the cherry picker accepting the Hall of Fame nomination. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, these this, this was the tag team in the 80s. It was them and the Legion of Doom. Those were the two biggest. If, if you think of nowadays, you got the Young Bucks... You got the New Day. Uh, I mean, that, that's what you got for tag as far as, far as huge the tag Hardys. teams. Everybody knows uh, Hardys. I'll, I'll give Hardys nowadays. Yep, they've they've gotten back into the tag team circuit. So yeah, I mean, these guys were up there where where the Dudleys were, where the Hardys were, where Edge and Christian were. These were the rock stars in an age where there were still rock stars. Hey, rock and Roll Express. It's in their name. It's in their blood. You know, um, the, the, when I think of the Rock and Roll Express, I think of Starcade 86. It's an NWA promotion. This was their WrestleMania. If you guys don't know anything about the National Wrestling Alliance, which was 
which was put on by Jim Crockett Productions, which later became WCW when Turner bought Jim Crockett Productions. There's a whole legal mess there. But if you don't know NWA, this was the tag team to beat. It was them. It was the Legion of Doom. You could have put the Rock and Roll Express versus the Legion of Doom in every card on every show in every town you went to, and it would sell out. You could put it in the main event. But what I think of was one of the first scaffold matches. I wouldn't say the very first, but I'd say the first big scaffold match. Starcade 86. It was the Rock and Roll Express. It was Legion of Doom. Uh, if you guys don't know what a scaffold match is, basically anybody who's ever had work done on their house, who has worked in construction, anything like that, scaffolding is... Basically, you take two ladders, you set them straight up, and you put another ladder in between. Sometimes you put boards over top of it so you can walk a little sturdier. (laughs) It's not the sturdiest and safest environment. And back in 86, you best believe it was definitely not the safest environment. This was a a historical match. The Legion of Doom, like I said, was one of the big... You all know the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, whatever... Rock and Roll Express. And and at the time, this was back when managers mattered. There wasn't just Paul Heyman. It wasn't just Paul Heyman. Managers matter. And James E. Cornette, also known as Jim Cornette, who, by the way, is inducting them into the Hall of Fame and has had nothing but negative things to say about WWE, so it'll be interesting how this goes about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He, He was in the corner of the Rock and Roll Express. Paul Ellering was a longtime manager of the Legion of Doom, Y'all might know Paul Ellering from his stint now in NXT as the manager of the Authors of Pain. Also, what you might know, might not know, you might know it, you might not know, maybe I'm telling, maybe I'm not, maybe you already figured it out. His daughter, Rachel Ellering, is also wrestling for NXT, although she has not been on TV tapings yet. Um, She is rumored to be in the new women's tournament similar to the cruiserweight classic tournament that we might touch on next week we don't know we'll see what time holds i mean it's all up in the air when it comes to us folks right these guys put on a hell of a scaffold match um not a wrestling clinic uh it was one of the first of its kind and there was a lot of folks trying to catch their balance (laughs) almost more than wrestling but the big thing going out of it was what was supposed to happen was paul ellering who was the face manager, would chase Jim Cornette up the scaffold because he was the heel manager. He carried around his tennis racket, and he was the pompous, well-to-do, uptight kind of waspy guy. And then the Legion of Doom would corner him on both sides, and they would toss him off. And then Jim Cornette's bodyguard, who was Big Bubba Rogers at the time, you folks might know him better as the Big Boss Man later on in WWE, would catch him. Well, the Big Boss Man at this point was pretty new to the business. He was what uh, Homer Simpson might call a greenhorn. And so Jim Cornette kind of fell off on his own, dangled a little bit, and dropped and blew out both of his knees, and he was out of commission for months. Uh, not a pretty picture, but uh, these guys, these guys are history. You know, um, they actually have ties to WWE. WWE kind of used them to make something. You know about this pasty? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I believe Shawn Michaels' tag team back in the day. With Marty Jannetty. Was called the Midnight Rockers, which is a combination of both the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. You know what? I never put that together. How the hell? Fuck. They fooled me, folks. It's genius writing, man. Genius writing. No one could ever have connected the dots there. Right. (laughs) Scientific formulations to make that name. I mean, the research they had to put in was just unsurmountable. So vicariously, in, in a way, we may never have gotten Shawn Michaels had it not been for the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, there's a very good possibility right? that he was not given that chance that he was given if these guys weren't as big as they were. Yeah. I, I would like to think he was talented enough that he would have made it big on his own. But, all, you know, sometimes it just takes that one break. Stone Cold Steve Austin got that one break and he worked with it. Like we talked about earlier, DDP was a nobody and got his break. If it weren't for these guys, we may never have had Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels. And that hurts a guy like me. You know what? Not so much you. And that alone solidifies them as a spot in the oh, Hall yeah, of Fame. Very much so. So, I think we only have the uh, the main inductee, the main event, if you will, the almost, headliner of the 2017 the Express. Um, you, you know what, me personally, I'm going to, you know what, even me personally, I'm going to say no. Kurt Angle still had a bigger impact on this industry, I think, than the Rock and Roll Express. I honestly believe so. I just think, you know, legendary, iconic, Kurt Angle still has a lot more he can give, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Where's the Rock but and Roll Express? But then again, I we've mean, seen yeah, them they at the Hardy Compound, and you know what? The, if nothing else, they can ride a cherry picker. I'll give them that. When was the last time Kurt Angle fought in a cherry pickle? Pickle. <laughs> cherry pickle. Again, folks, it's Mad Butcher IPA Mankato Brewery. Thank Mankato, you very much. Minnesota. That is the, the cherry pickle. I'm going to pickle some cherries and bring them to our next fucking podcast table. That's awesome. Let's do it. Pickled cherries. Pickled cherries. We'll bring them to the 427 barbecue. Pickled cherries. And maybe some cherry pickles. I'm going to throw... I'm just going to throw cucumbers <laughs> in some of them. A maraschino cherry. we're going to have... We're going to have that, you know. Because, honestly, pickles are just cucumbers that sold their soul to the devil. Right. And That's the, why they're so shriveled and sour. And the devil was dill. all right i I stole that from mitch hedberg rest in peace that was a mitch hedberg joke oh what we were talking about kurt angle weren't we (laughs) (laughs) kurt angle is the headline for hall of fame induction ceremony this year and he will be inducted by none other than john cena I'm less than enthusiastic about John Cena being the inductee. Yeah. Or inductor. You Kurt could, Angle's the inductee. You could pretty much pick anybody else and, and get a better effect, I think. You know, the, 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 the name that was being thrown around originally was Stone Cold Steve Austin, which makes sense. They had a lot of good feuds together. I dig it. Uh, I myself, I always connect Kurt Angle in WWE with Taz in WWE. 
Although Taz is kind of doing his own thing with CBS Radio, he has his own morning show, which is way bigger than ours, and I'm super jealous of him. <laughs> but beside that for fact, he's also very outspoken about the WWE, and he's at a platform and in a place in life where he's allowed to just call it as he sees it. So I don't think he's on the best terms with WWE. I don't think he's on bad terms. I just think he really just calls it as it is, how he sees it. And WWE doesn't like that. So I could understand that not being him. Uh, you got Edge and Christian. They could have went, been oh, yeah. in on there. You got AJ Styles, who had classic matches in TNA with him. And they had great feuds it, there was, in uh, uh, TNA. You, you had can't the Team Angle and Team Tomko. would ever pick somebody who was in TNA with Yeah, Kurt like we mentioned doctor. before, they won't even mention TNA when they're talking about Kurt Angle. So I understand that. But I just... You know, other than getting John Cena over, I I don't know why you picked John Cena to do it. Kurt Angle's name alone holds enough clout that you don't need John Cena to bring people to watch him. Right. I'd rather see Hulk Hogan and Dr. Kurt Angle. Brother. Paige fucked that up. <laughs> there's still rumors that Hogan's going to be making a comeback soon. And I think there's still rumors that he's going to be at Mania. There's still rumors he's going to be at Mania. I predicted he was going to come back at Mania. I honestly think all plans were for him to be at Mania. It's his home state. It's Florida. There's no reason not to. Most people have forgotten about the whole N-word debacle and everything like that. But I, I, I'm pretty sure the Page thing has pushed him off at least for another six months. I don't see him being brought back into the picture. Just because if you talk about Page, you have to talk about Hogan's sex tape. And mm. it just leaves a sour taste in people's mouths. That isn't a sexual pun or innuendo. It just really does. Uh, so Kurt comes in from TNA. Like I mentioned before, he, he spent most of his career in TNA. He's, he's contracted to WWE only only for appearances at this point. What does Kurt do, Pasty? Does he come in? Does he accept his Hall of Fame? Does he go home and go to sleep? I hope not. I'm hoping that he's our new Raw General Manager. There's a spot open. Mick Foley is no longer the general manager. I There's definitely want to see him fight in the WWE, though, too. I, he can't just come back and have some kind of a corporate role. I mean, they, they, they could do that, and they, they, probably, they probably will. But Angle, he's got AJ, more fight left in him. Angle, Angle AJ Styles has been a proven show stealer. Those two put on some of the best matches ever. You know That's what? what we call the right angle. <laughs> the right angle. Uh, I again, I, I may be twisting facts here. I believe when Hogan joined TNA Impact Wrestling moons ago, many moons ago, January 3rd, I believe, was the date that they aired the first Impact uh, TNA Impact Wrestling with Hulk Hogan. It was live. It was Monday. It was up against WWE, and I th- think... It was Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles in the main event, which is what Hogan, what prompted Hogan to say AJ Styles was the future of pro wrestling. Um, feel free to call me out on this bullshit if I'm making this up. He's uh, making it up. I, Even the I, dates, I could be. He, he's got it all wrong. <laughs> he's just pulling shit out of his ass now. January 3rd is actually my guys. birthday. I just that's, that's, that's how I came up with that date. So, uh, no, I, I think it was... And it wasn't TNA, it was um, Lucha Underground. <laughs> it wasn't AJ Styles or Kurt Angle. 
It was, Char- it was Charlie Haas versus Christopher Daniels. It was Horace Hogan. Who <laughs> Nobody remembers Horace Hogan. Why do I bring him up? No, I, I think that's what it was. But nonetheless, I, go look up any Kurt Angle AJ Styles match. Gold. Just gold. Those two can't put on a bad match Olympic together. gold. Only on one end. One half Olympic gold. One half uh, Chuck E. Cheese token, I think. <laughs> Southern Tennessee whiskey. There you go. I like it. Kurt Angle's long overdue for the Hall of Fame. He's Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, yeah. The only Olympic gold medalist in pro wrestling history. The man won a gold medal in the Olympics with a broken neck. This isn't kayfabe. This isn't storyline. This isn't something WWE produced. It happened in real life on live TV in this universe, folks. And... Who else have you ever met other than maybe Brock Lesnar who came from the amateur world into the pro wrestling world and owned it the way he did? He just absorbed everything. You don't understand. It's hard for an amateur wrestler whose whole goal is to come out there, hurt the other person, and make them look bad to go into pro wrestling where your objective is to not hurt the other person and And make make them them look look good. good. That's against all of your instincts. And if you're an amazing amateur wrestler, it's in your blood to be a bad professional wrestler. That's just, I mean, that's how you're taught. So for you to get in there and do that, kudos, Kurt. You have all my love and respect. Hats off and mustache up to you. Mustache up. Up what? (laughs) Up where? So there's our Hall of Fame. I I think, like we mentioned, this has got to be the... Best Hall of Fame in recent memory? Yeah. I think the only bigger Hall of Fame from top to bottom might have been the very first Hall of Fame, which was just Andre the Giant. And, I mean, how do you, how do you top that? If, right. if all you have is Andre the Giant, oh, that's gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, this may very well be the very best Hall of Fame, most star-studded, both in inductees and inductors. I mean... Even with me not liking John Cena being Kurt Angle's inductor, star power. Still, yeah, it's high, high caliber. Power. High caliber. And James uh, Jim Cornette coming back. Yep, James I E. Cornette. Mean, you got the APA. Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Wow. I mean, I mean, what does it take to get like him I would like to see out? him have more to do with the WWE in the future, too. I would love to see it. Ricky the <laughs> Dragon Steamboat. Talk about NWA. You know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That man... Um, we're going to get into to WrestleMania top tens, but I mean, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat not too long ago came back and did a legends WrestleMania match. And and he looked like he could just hop in and join the roster at any time at that point. And that was only five years ago, six years ago. Now, I mean, Natalia, Natalia's still a presence. She's got the, the heart and the night heart background. How do you, how do you argue that there is not, there's not a name on here that folks aren't going to recognize and folks aren't going to have a personal connection to as far as wrestling goes. There's, there's not, inductee, inductor, other than uh, Eric Landgren and, and Dana Warrior. Legrand. Uh, Legrand. <laughs> Eric, get the fuck off our goddamn Hall of Fame because you're sullying it. You fucking no walking We could have had a celebrity if it wasn't for you. Fucking stand up and grab the cookies out of the top shelf, you fucker, if you're so good. 
Sorry, folks. This took, this took a wicked turn. Yeah, yeah, I apologize. Just, Bubba just made a heel turn here. <laughs> Fat Mac. But if, if you take the Warrior Award out of it, I mean, this is just top to bottom. Star-studded, nostalgia-riddled, amazing. To this day, most of these folks can still go. DDP can still go. We've seen the Rock and Roll Express still go. James E. Cornette can still talk. Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he can do is talk. He can talk and, and sell. And I'll bet you he can sell a punch at this time, too. You know, Kurt Angle can have a five-star match to this day. Beth Phoenix, if you put Beth and Natalia together in a match, I bet you they could have a five-star women's oh, yeah. match. Oh, yeah. Rick Rude's dead, but God bless him. He'd, he'd be able to go out there and do that. I mean, yeah, this is it. This is the Hall of Fame to take all Hall of Fames. Well, yeah. I'm going to be watching it completely intent on watching it. Years past, it's been like, it's on, okay, whatever. Let's go do stuff. Who knows? Yeah. But this year, it's going to be almost edge of your seat, like just anticipating what everybody's going to say. And just, I'm really looking forward to it. 2018, 2017. I'm getting ahead of myself. 2017 is going to go down as the Hall of Fame year. Because not only. In 2020, this this year's (laughs) Hall of Fame will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. No shit. Not only is WWE's Hall of Fame stacked from top to bottom, but Tupac Shakur is getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by go. none other than Snoop Dogg and rumored Dr. Dre. Tell me that isn't a fucking dream team right there, too. It is. So, you know, Hall of Fames are winning this year. Take that, Charlie Sheen. We should do our own Beef Sticks Hall of Fame. We should do a Hall of Fame. It can be anything. We can have we can have Mr. Poopy Butthole in the Hall of Fame. We can have Slim Jims. We can have in the Hall of Fame. Big Pun in the Hall of Fame. We can have Slim Jims in the Hall of Fame. We we can have Milo and Otis in the Hall of Fame. Is what whoever the fuck we want in our Hall of Fame. Who do you want in our Hall of Fame? Please comment on our Facebook page. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. Yes, <laughs> if we were on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right, guys. We here at Beef Sticks Podcast have been working really hard to bring you some new and interesting segments. So we're going to kick it off with our new uh, end of the month hot tag, which is a top ten on both of our behalfs. Combined together in one amazing train wreck of a car crash. This is a segment where we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to give you rankings of various topics pro wrestling related. It may end up being a top ten one week. It may end up being a top five and a worst five another week. It may be a top six one week. We'll see how it goes. If you have anything you would like to hear us discuss, opinions that you want us to talk about, any top ten list that you want to put in, let us know and we can get on it immediately. So without further ado, this is our top ten favorite WrestleMania matches of the past decade. I won't go out on the limb and say they're the best matches, but they're the ones that stand out to us the most personally. These are our personal top tens. Not necessarily, as he said, the best, and maybe not even your favorites, maybe not even good, but for one reason or the other, we feel they need to be discussed in the talks of 
WrestleMania matches of the past decade. We did not compile these lists together. It was our homework throughout the week. As a matter of fact, when I sent him my pre- when I sent Fat Mac my preliminary list, he immediately yelled at me and deleted it before he could read it himself. I don't want to know. I want this to be spontaneous. I want us to talk about it together. I want us to see which ones we have in common, which ones we pick that the other things shouldn't be on there. <laughs> What kind of matches maybe the other didn't think about and didn't remember, and we're like, oh my gosh, that's a great match. Why didn't I put that on there? We're also going to be giving a few honorable mentions towards the end, so we snuck a few in, folks. Oh yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Okay, to kick things off, I think I'm going to start out my number 10 is number 10 could possibly be further up in the list it's just it's really hard to pick the first one and the last one and the rest fills in pretty easily yeah i i agree uh my first pick at number 10 is the triple threat of legacy randy orton ted dibiase jr and cody rhodes at wrestlemania 26 good choice yeah i think so it's just, it was such an iconic team, an iconic match, and you know, they were doomed to fail from the start, but it made everybody, except for Ted DiBiase Jr., elevate that much more. And he's doing pretty darn good in Japan in his own right, so we'll give him that. Uh, yeah, I, I think their their team name, before they split up, says it all, Legacy. They, they were a legacy, they continue to create a legacy as they go. You know, the American Nightmare. Uh, what, what what put that as your number 10? What what got you to say, you know what, I think this is going on the list? Just um, basically, the, just the, the iconic wrestlers within the match. Uh, the fact that they had just split up and this was the triple threat to just kind of determine who was the best of the three. It, to me, just stands out. Because of the superstars involved. If you remember, Legacy was the hottest thing in WWE at the time when, when they were going on. There were so many talks about who was going to be the big breakout star. I put my money on Ted DiBiase Jr. I I did not win out on that one. Obviously, Cody Rhodes went on to do bigger and better things in WWE than him. And I, I think, sadly, and maybe maybe WWE's fault, maybe the wrestlers themselves' fault, Randy Orton is still the biggest out of those three. And it was kind of put together to put over both Rhodes and DiBiase. So in that case, it, it didn't come to fru- fruition. 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 There you go. Fruition. Thank you, folks. Fruity <laughs> nutrition. Uh, fruity pebbles. It didn't come to fruition the way WWE had planned. But yeah, it was it was the most talked about thing at the time. That was the stable. That it was. I like that. I like that. My number ten, I I had to put this on the list. I debated back and forth here and there, but I had to put it on the list. It wasn't the best wrestling contest at all. And maybe if it weren't for the people involved, I wouldn't have even had actually I can guarantee if it weren't for the people involved outside of the ring, this never would have made my top 10 WrestleMania list of the past decade. But I am going with Donald Trump versus Vince McMahon. Of course, Trump had Bobby Lashley wrestling for him, and Vince had Umaga wrestling for him. The two did not get physical in the ring. This was at WrestleMania 23 in a hair versus hair match. This was not Umaga's hair up against Bobby Lashley's <laughs> scalp. 
This that was, wouldn't be very fair, would it? This unless, was <laughs> unless Lashley had to wear a wig or wear Umaga's hair after it was cut off. If Lashley loses, he has to wear Kurt Angle's fake hair there you go. <laughs> with, with, with the, the head, head protector. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this this one. Uh, if if Bobby Lashley lost, Donald Trump would have to shave his head, and if Umaga lost, Vince McMahon would have to shave his head. Now, I think 99.9% of folks going in knew that Vince was going to end up getting his head shaved. Vince, for as much... It's pretty obvious Trump has not cut his hair since. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's still the the same hair that he's had since then. (laughs) Vince is willing to to take his comeuppance. He's willing to, to be the end of a feud. And Donald Trump is not. I don't think any of us expected him to. You know, uh, Vince uh, will take it for his show, though. I mean, he took Rikishi's ass to the face on more than one occasion. Oh yeah, he's taken stunners. He's he always he's he, as much shit as he puts everybody through in the buildup of a feud. He always lets himself be humiliated at the end. Oh yeah. Now this one was also big because Stone Cold Steve Austin was the guest referee, so you got Stone Cold Steve Austin involved. Another thing that gets overlooked a lot in this match, and I think because of all the stuff that's going on was this is the first time ever that the ECW champion faced the Intercontinental champion. That never happened on any other show, on any other pay-per-view, as far as I know, any other house show ever. Bobby Lashley was the ECW champion, and Umaga was the Intercontinental champion. Sounds kind of backwards, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, the the titles weren't on the line, so there, there wasn't anything like that up for grabs. But it, it's you know it was it was a good contest. It was a it, to quote Jr. a slobber knocker. There was not a lot of wrestling holds. This was I believe Bobby Lashley's first WrestleMania appearance, and he went on to do great things, good things in WWE, great things in TNA, world champion multiple times over. So I had to put this one at my number ten. I had to put it at the bottom. If it's going to be on this list, it has to be on the bottom. But it, it had to go on there. I definitely agree with you there. Definitely a good match. Number nine. My number nine is a little match. Actually, the first match on WrestleMania 27, which really kind of took me back. Like, I didn't expect to run across that being the first match. But, of course, I am talking about... I'm intrigued. Edge versus Del Rio for the WWE Championship... It was Edge's final WrestleMania appearance, and he retired one week after this match. Sad. That w- that was that was a hell of a raw when he retired. Yeah, it was. In this match, it was it was a really good match. Uh, it's mostly on the list for being Edge's last WrestleMania match. Um, to me, that's huge. I was a big Edge fan. I'm an Edgehead. Oh yeah, I'm an Edgehead. I'm still hoping that one day we'll get him as a general. General manager on one of the shows. Remember uh, Hawkins and Ryder? They they were the yeah. Edgeheads. Yep, they were they were his little goons. He, they were J and J Security before J and J Security go. existed. If Edge comes in and becomes general manager, they could be his security again because <laughs> they're both there. Yeah, I agree. That that was poignant. Um, Edge is actually on a few matches, if not a couple matches, on my list. So yeah, during this time period, Edge was one of the top guys. He, uh, you could you could say Triple H and Cena were bigger. Edge was c- coming from the Attitude Era, so he he had the seniority, the veteran appeal. Triple H was falling back more into behind the scenes, 
and uh, eating Stephanie's pussy, so he wasn't <laughs> as as poignant as he would be. He he was saved for special occasions. So Edge at, at that time period was maybe the biggest wrestler oh, going yeah. right oh, now. Yeah. So definitely winning. And uh, yeah, and he retired way too early. And not only that, this was the first time Edge had ever defended a title at WrestleMania. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. And I think that was it was probably a big thing for him to get across before he did bow out. Right. Uh it was a great match. Uh his entrance Del Rio didn't come out. I guess he came out in a, a nice car. It wasn't anything too terribly special. But Edge comes out and gets in the ring, and he goes up to the corner to do his pose. And as he does, you can pan around, and you see that there's this huge diagonally set cube dropped down in the middle of the ring with his video playing on it. Nice. Epic. Nice. It, it could have possibly been used for the rest of the night. I'm not completely certain. Uh I'm not really well-versed, and I definitely did not have time to sit around this week and watch ten WrestleManias. That wasn't going to happen. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched I watched more than ten matches. I didn't watch ten full WrestleManias, yeah. by no means. Uh, okay, my number nine. Uh, actually, kind of parallel to Edge is the Hardy Boys. They they started together. They made their names together. Yeah, mine is actually Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy, WrestleMania 25, the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. I'll admit, I remember that being a shitty WrestleMania, but as I was kind of going back researching matches to come up with this, it had some pretty good matches. So maybe it was just another example of WWE overhyping something and, and failing to produce on it, because they did have some good matches. And this one... It was an Extreme Rules match, which is right up the Hardy's wheelhouse. And I like this because uh, uh, a lot of wrestlers, you'll see when they wrestle, say, their best friends, or in this case, actual blood brothers, you get a better match, you have that chemistry built in. Oh, yeah. They know what each other are going to do without even planning without, it yeah, out ahead of time. They don't have to say words, they, you know. And a lot of time, they're willing to be more violent and hit harder because they both understand they're doing it for the art and they want to put on the best show where maybe when you're wrestling somebody you're not too close with, you'll hold back a little because you're trying to protect them. You don't want to hurt them. Right. You know? But being brothers, you know they've been fighting their whole life in and out of the ring. Right. So, And the story leading up to this is, is another huge reason why I put it on here. Because Matt had turned on Jeff at the Royal Rumble. He cost him his WWE title match against <clears throat> Edge. <laughs> And uh, and what made it worse, because here he was jealous and, you know, Jeff was the big star and Matt's always been the brains and done everything behind it, which is still true to this day. So was this where uh, version one began? It, 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 uh, it, came, it came out of this. Okay, yes. That's what I thought. And, uh, and during this, Matt actually claimed responsibility for what was not kayfabe, shoot, a real life fire that burned down Jeff Hardy's home and killed his dog. Now, it was kayfabe that Matt was involved in it. He wasn't. It was an accident, and it happened. But in the build-up to this, he claimed responsibility to burning down his house and killing his beloved dog. And I don't know how many of you out there are dog lovers, but I got three dogs at home, and I, I mean, that... You can you could kill off Pasty White and I'll have a drink for him and a smoke for him and then I'll forget about him the next day. But if you kill my dog, that's fucking me up for the rest of the year, okay? I thought I was your dog, dog. <laughs> You're not my buddy, guy. You're not my guy, friend. 
Uh, this match was awesome. At one point, Jeff has Matt outside on a table. Go figure, the Hardy's on a table. He puts a steel chair on top of him. He puts another table on top of him. Goes up to the top rope and performs a top rope splash onto him. And it was just mayhem. One of the best things about this was the end. I hadn't seen this before, and I don't think we've seen this yet. Matt ended up winning this match, and what he did was he hit the twist of fate. But Jeff Hardy's head was in a steel chair when Matt Hardy hit the twist of fate. So he hit the twist of fate with Jeff's head in the chair, slamming down on the steel chair. It looked sick. They had to work so hard to make sure somebody wasn't permanently injured. And it's the kind of finish that WWE doesn't do enough for these big emotional matches. A big emotional match should have a, oh my fucking God, kind of ending. And that was it. I mean, when was the last time you seen a twist of fate, an RKO, something like that? Not onto a chair. His head was in between the chair. Ouch. Number eight. Well, my number eight is the clash of two iconic legends. Pasty White and Fat Mac. Yes. In a pissing contest. That is that it is. Sorry. <laughs> Triple H versus the debuting in WWE Sting at WrestleMania 31. Hot damn. The entrances were on point. Uh, Triple H oh came down with his Terminator entrance. Kind of, kind of a little over the top. But, you know, it's a lot better than what they did with, oh, Goldberg is on the cover of this game, now we have him for a whole year. Omega did the Terminator entrance better. Yeah. I'm just going to say. I'm just <laughs> going to say. <laughs> he had the gun, though. That was cool. Right. <clears throat> Bullet Club. But this match, this match was huge. What about, what about the Sting to Asian me? entrance with the drums? Yeah, and all that? yeah, yeah. That, that was, was a awesome. Good entrance. I, I don't know what it had to do with Sting, but I liked the entrance. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe with Sting being, you know, his his paint is taken from the crow, the crow being the last dragon, and there comes the Asian drums. Right. <laughs> Right? That's how you go that about it. That was a beautiful it. pathway you just made there. <laughs> I'm sure that's <laughs> that's more thought than WWE put into it. <laughs> but, I mean, the entrances were good. The yes. match itself was a little lackluster. But the fact that the NWO and... Or, ooh, yep, yep. Yeah, NWO yep, 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 yep. came yep. out to help Triple H? Nope. No, Sting. And, and who came out to help? DX. DX. Was it? it, it yep, okay. yep, yep. I thought there was... Road was, Dog, was like Billy Gunn. X-Pac, who, who I was waiting for him to do some kind of turn because he's been both in the DX and the NWO yeah. and he didn't do a turn, <laughs> kind of disappointed me because I was more of an, uh, I was more of a six-pac guy than an X-Pac guy, but again, I was a WCW guy, not a WWF guy, so I, I'll admit, I was literally jumping up and down and marking out when they came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. It was it was so good. Oh, it was oh my gosh. I mean, for, for it being a shitty match and for Sting not winning, I mean, you can't expect him to win. Obviously, I, going I think almost everybody expected him to win except for Triple H. Right? He should have won. He should have won his first his first WWE match. That was ego. He should have won. But that shouldn't any take away from WWE. Yeah, matches. that shouldn't that shouldn't take away <laughs> shouldn't take away from the match itself. Right. It, it was. It, a, a brilliant match, though the way it played out was wonderful. Uh, the the fact that Triple H won, I mean, me being a WWE guy, I guess I felt a sense of pride in all of that. Yep, and rightfully so. And I felt <coughs> and I felt wounded. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, both of them guys are, are... They don't call him the game for anything. Both of those guys are just on par when it comes to ring psychology. Oh, yeah. And they brought that to that match. They told a story in that ring. And, and like you said, when everybody came out, I mean, the nostalgia was dripping from my brow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any other match, oh, six people interfere, and it, it kind of ruins the match. <laughs> this way, it, it definitely elevated, and it, it made it to be why I put it as number eight on my list. Part of me wishes I would have bumped it up a little bit higher. I, You know what? I like it. I I fought long and hard, and I didn't get it on this list. And uh, it, it was hard for me to not put it on this list. And I think the biggest thing that took it out of this list was him not winning. I have a feeling if he won, it would have been number nine, uh, if not higher. Uh, I think that's the only reason I didn't get it on my list. Yeah. Uh, so me, I have, from WrestleMania 32 just last year, folks, don't... don't don't take me for just a nostalgia guy. I mean, I, I keep up with the current stuff. I like the current roster. Uh, the Intercontinental Ladder Match. I'm not a big fan of let's just throw people together we got nothing to do with and make a match out of it. I'm not a fan of that. But this one, this was... I I, I had a list of four different ladder matches, most of them Money in the Bank, from WrestleMania, and I decided on this one. I watched all four of them. Two of them I watched twice, this one and another one, and I ended up picking this one. Uh, The biggest thing, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going into this one had a story going all the way from NXT. Oh, yeah. And and if you want to be a true (laughs) diehard fan, from way before that, from Ring of Honor, from growing up together, from Canada, I mean, these two guys had done it all together and seen it all together. So they had that going in. That was the main reason most people were watching this. And you know what? As soon as the bell rang, everybody expected Zayn Owens, bam, going at it right away. And they didn't. And I loved the fact that they didn't. I love they didn't start out with that. Everybody exoduses the ring, some to grab weapons, some just to brawl with other guys. Owens was left in the ring. He was trying to get a ladder going. This match, though, for me, there's two big talking points on this one. One of them was Sin Cara jumping off the top of the ladder onto Cody Rhodes, who was laying on a parallel ladder propped between the ring and the barricade, and he just smashed right through it. It looked sick. Chance of holy shit. Chance of this is awesome. That was a really good, really good moment. But the even better moment, which also ties into the story being told... Which, which, keep in mind, folks, Zayn and Kevin Owens found time to tell a story in this... Massive match. Yeah, yeah. This this was a booyah base <laughs> of, of wrestlers going at it. And they were telling a story within it. But Sami Zayn hits an exploder suplex onto Kevin Owens on a ladder that's laying down on its side. He he hits it with I mean the middle of his spine lands on the top of the ladder. He looks like he's broken in half. You know what? You don't even have to look up the video. Look up the picture of it, and you will feel the pain. <laughs> but if you can find the video of it, even if you don't want to watch the whole match, look at how Kevin Owens lands, and you see him laying there, and you know to yourself, he isn't selling. 
he's fucking hurt. Right. <laughs> not like not injured hurt. I think that's the he's beauty in though. pain. I think that's the beauty of of um established wrestlers having their first WrestleMania experience. Because oh, you yeah. know they're going all out, balls to the wall, hundred miles an hour, no regrets. Yep. And whereas, you know, repeat offenders, they take it slower, they lay down more, you know. They, they know it's not their first. They assume it won't be their last. Right. Yep. And and I almost, almost didn't get this one on the list. Like I said, I went back and forth between a few and I watched this one twice. For a similar reason with the Sting-Triple H match that you just talked about, I didn't like the ending. This is the ladder match where Zack Ryder yeah. won the Intercontinental title. Number one, nobody wanted to see it. Nobody gave a shit. I, still I, was, you I, think, it. I think, was I watching it with you or was I just talking to you, texting no, we you were on the phone? It. We were watching I it. said, I give it a month tops that he holds it. <laughs> Little did I know the next day he would <laughs> drop it to the Miz. It was, it was worthless. Why have him... I, yeah, okay, he got his WrestleMania moment, but I still say to this day, that WrestleMania moment hurt his career worse than anything else in WWE. I agree. So I almost didn't pick it for that. But that is my number eight right there. Number seven. All right. Coming in at number seven for me, it's a match from WrestleMania 29. A match of um, revenge. A match of taking the power back for the company. Of course, I am talking about Brock Lesnar versus Triple H in a no-holds-barred. Shawn Michaels is at ringside. Paul Heyman is at ringside. And let me tell you, this match is as physical as it gets without blood. Chair shots. Barricades being broken. Announcer tables being broken. Steel stairs. The second tier of steel stairs. It's brutal. It's wonderful. And it's all because when Brock Lesnar came back, he tried to take the company by force. He broke Triple H's arm twice. He broke Shawn Michaels' arm. Triple H needed to take control of the company again, and this is the lengths they went to. Yeah, this is the feud that actually brought Paul Heyman back, so I think we can all thank, thank WWE for this feud, because where, where would we be without Paul Heyman in this WWE today? <laughs> it would be a lot, lot more boring, that's for sure. And then we'd also have to be listening to Brock Lesnar speak for himself. Nobody wants that. <clears throat> yeah, this is a really a really good match. Hard hitting. I don't have this one on my la- match uh, uh, my list, my match list. I don't have it on my match list. I don't even have it on my honorable mentions. But this is a hell of a of of a just brawl. Just two vicious big dudes beating the shit out of each other. Um what one thing I like about it is uh the little uh the little faux pas when Triple H is coming to the ring and the entrance. Uh, <laughs> Apparently somebody didn't mix the smoke mixture very well as he comes down the ramp. Because he's got a mess of white, foamy, dripping substance all over his stomach. Like he really took one for the team from Vince before he came out. I tell you what, with the black lights going and everything, it sure as hell looks like somebody just spooged all over his abs as he walks to the ring. And there's the awkward cutaway where they show 
Brock Lesnar who doesn't know what to do. Right. He looks confused. And then they as cut, all hell. Then like, they I'm not back. touching that. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. And then they cut <laughs> back and he's kind of mostly cleaned off. So you know somebody was scrubbing him down while they were turned away as Yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure some uh pyrotechnic guy got fired that night. Big props to Triple H for being able to like no sell that, I guess. Oh yeah, he came down. He like just a came out. You could tell he looked kind of irritated, but he just kept going. It kind of looked like maybe the water bottle that he dumps on his head. He tried to dump on his abs a little bit and wash a little bit of it <laughs> off. Like, yeah, he knew something was up. <laughs> the, the 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 true professional that he is, he just kept going with it. <laughs> you know, uh, I have a Triple H match and my number seven, and this is from the year before. WrestleMania 28, I have Triple H versus The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell match. This one, I I feel, was the best of the two Triple H-Undertaker matches. Um, Undertaker had made the challenge because he wanted to redeem himself against Triple H from the previous year's WrestleMania. The WrestleMania before this one, they had battled each other. And Undertaker had won but he had to be carried out on a stretcher. He was beat so badly, and he wanted to prove that he could still stand up against Triple H, and and he, this was his match to prove it. Shawn Michaels inserted himself in the match as the guest referee, which referee is kind of pointless in a Hell in a Cell match. I mean, you, you do the count, and you do, you know, if somebody taps out, you call it, but we all knew it was basically Triple H looking out for his buddy, um, it, it, this match right here has been praised as one of the greatest Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Which is a hard feat to accomplish. That's something. Just ask Mick Foley. Just ask anybody who's <laughs> been in Hell in a Cell for the last five years. Yeah, and Triple H personally has called this his favorite match of his career. Now, keep in mind he's called other matches his favorite match of his career, you know, here and there in different interviews, and I'm sure it changes depending on what day he has and and what memories are floating in his head. And what city he's in. But yeah, he's he's called this one one of his favorite matches of his career, so I think that earns a spot in the top ten WrestleMania matches of the past decade. I suppose that leaves us moving on to... Number six. My number six pick, actually, you just spoke about. My number six pick is Triple H versus Undertaker the year before in the No Holds Barred match. We did not talk about these matches beforehand, folks. This is, this is just us coming up with our favorite matches. Yeah, that's kind of ironic. And albeit it wasn't in a Hell in a Cell, but it was still a hardcore match. Uh, Triple H and, and Undertaker got off right away. Had wasted no time getting to the weapons, getting to destroying each other, putting themselves through tables... Uh, by the end of the match, Triple H is begging The Undertaker to just stay down, pleading with him so he doesn't have to inflict any more pain than he already has. And that is what makes this match stand out in my eyes. And at that point, Undertaker looked like a man caught up in a legend, kept alive by a winning streak that will never be duplicated. That's poetic. Ah, no... Undertaker, at the end of this match, as you said before, had to be removed from the arena on a stretcher. And this, this isn't kayfabe. He was really down and out for the count. I mean, he he had taken a beating, and his body could not handle it anymore. 
I got to admit, but between this match and the match I just talked about, I was on the fence. I didn't want to pick both of them. I had to pick one of them. I went with the Hell in a Cell. So I'm kind of glad that you went with this one. So we so we kind of got to discuss both of them here and, and let the viewers know either one. Either one or both is worth checking out. Well, very much so. Very much so. I remember actually watching this WrestleMania at my aunt's house. And this match, man, I went into it expecting Triple H to win and end the streak. That was the build-up for it. And when it didn't happen, I was flabbergasted. Yeah, there was a lot of times that you felt like... And knowing Triple H's ego, you knew that this could be the match that ends the streak. Like, it wouldn't be unfathomable. I I loved that. And now on to... Or wait, no. On your side. Yeah, now on to my number six. (laughs) I was about to skip my own six. (laughs) Don't skip... Hashtag don't skip the six. Don't skip your own six. So I got a match from WrestleMania 23. This isn't one of the most talked about matches that you'll ever hear. Um, it's one that falls under the radar a lot. Part of it is probably due to the same reason I almost didn't put this match on the list. And uh, this is MVP versus Chris Benoit for the U.S. title, WrestleMania 23. I'm going to be honest, I hesitated... To put this on the list, but only for a second. Was this the year that Chris Benoit beat MVP multiple times in very short amount of time? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good year. Yep. This was just shortly before MVP ended up leaving WWE to go to New Japan. He left at the height of his career because he didn't feel he was challenged enough as an artist. Went on to New Japan to put on some amazing matches and became all the better for it. It was even more shortly before the time of the Benoit family demise. Yeah, and that's and that's the reason I, I almost didn't put it on here. Now, I, I'm gonna be honest. I despise the man. He is despicable. There's no way to ever redeem him for what he did. But at the same time, I'm still a believer that his art can be appreciated for what it is. Very much so. And I and I'm gonna honor his art while still acknowledging the man as the monster he truly is. So I don't want to bring him into this. I want to bring the match out of this. Um, so now that I got that out of the way, there's not a whole lot else to say about this match other than these two put on a wrestling clinic. It's hard to talk about how great a chain wrestling match is, so I'm not going to try to do that. You have to watch a chain wrestling match to get the full effect of it. I can't just tell you about it by no means. Uh, long story short, Chris Benoit ends this one with a flying headbutt. But, the, I mean, the fans were going nuts for it. These are two amazing top caliber performers giving their all at WrestleMania. What, what more can you say? Number five. For my number five, I've got, it's just, it's a classic, man. This match had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen back in the Attitude Era with The Rock and Hulk Hogan, and it had to happen at WrestleMania 28 with Cena versus The Rock 1. This was supposed to be the ultimate passing of the torch. Once in a lifetime. Once or twice in a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, it was once in a lifetime, and I think most people felt that. But this had accumulated, and, and the rivalry had built for an entire year on this. And it was amazing. It was great. 
John Cena needed this push in the right direction. It still worked for him in the end, even with him losing to The Rock. Oh, I think this really helped Cena get more over with the fans when he was starting to lose the fan base. When uh, some would say he had already lost the fan base. Right, yeah. In the transition from the Ruthless Aggression era to the PG era. Yeah. This match was definitely needed, and it is definitely... Deserves a spot in my top five favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Yeah, I, not I, all time, past decade. Sorry, and possibly of all kind of time. I can't argue that. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to say it's coming up on my list. So we were on the same wavelength. But I had the Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar WrestleMania 30. You all know about this one. You've all heard about it. You watched it. You reacted to it. The Beast versus the Streak. If your hands weren't on your head, you're doing something wrong. Right? I don't even have to really say anything about this. No one, and I mean no one, thought that Lesnar was beating The Undertaker on this night. If someone tells you that they did expect that, they're lying. I mean, this stands out for so many reasons. It was rare to see Taker taken to it like this. I mean, he threw everything he had at Lesnar, but there was kind of an aura around him that that kind of didn't (laughs) seem right, didn't feel right. The fans, the announcers, all kind of felt it. This was before we realized that he had suffered an actual concussion during the match, and he was pretty loopy at the time. So that didn't help. Even the symbolism during the entrance with the caskets of all of Undertaker's previous rivals and everything, and then there's the one casket empty. Yeah. That, the symbolism there, like... Oh, that was Even beautiful. at that point, we all thought Taker was still winning. That was storytelling before the match even began. And and Lesnar's manhandling of a guy this size and height, I mean, even, even though it's the dead man, that was impressive. Uh, you know, more than anything, this is what launched Brock into the conqueror, the beast that he is today. And, you know, maybe the main thing I enjoy about this match is that Brock and Taker actually pulled off some really good mat wrestling, which you hadn't seen anyone else bring out of Undertaker, at least other than, like, a move here, a Kimura lock there, a Hell's Gate there... You know, he didn't do a lot of actual mat wrestling, and in this one, you see a lot of different holds being exchanged, which you didn't see out of The Undertaker really almost ever. He he pulled everything out of his repertoire for this one, only to lose. Wow. This is the match with the iconic Undertaker sits up and laughs, and Brock Lesnar sits up and laughs. Man, I love that. I love that. Even the build-up to this match... Where where oh, they're both in the ring, where they're both in the ring, and it took the entire locker room to separate them. And yeah. Undertaker breaks out and jumps over him and starts decking him. That is some shit you expect the younger guys to do. You wouldn't exactly. expect that out of the Undertaker. Exactly. Not now. Not any time in the last ten years. Really, it was a phenomenal match, and that's why it's number four. And that's why this match is also my number four with Lesnar and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. <laughs> I don't need to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the only thing I can say negative about this match 
is that it made WWE think they have to have reaction shots from the audience, and now they force it into every fucking match. And they'll doctor it if and it's, it's not right. Oh, yeah. Look at the whole Roman Reigns deal, where the one guy, they showed him cheering and being so excited that Roman Reigns won, but he was actually devastated and upset, but he was cheering when Roman Reigns was getting his ass beat. Yeah, I, I don't dig that. Now, I don't think you should be editing the crowd let them be what they are. Let them have their voice. I mean, yeah, it's going to screw up the show a little bit, but you just work your writing around that. I agree. You you can't just force people to hear what you want them to be hear. Can you um click that button that makes people cheer now real quick? Can you can you get that going and the hooping and the holler? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can't have fake crowd reactions. It's just it's not cool. It doesn't sound natural. No. It's, you know that they're chanting CM Punk. <laughs> so, my number four is from WrestleMania 22, and we have Edge and Mick Foley in the Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, this one, oh, I love this one. And it was hard for me to put it this low on the list, but there's so many great WrestleMania matches. Um... You know, Edge. I mean, this this is a hardcore match. This is right up Mick Foley's well, and and Edge stayed with him the whole fucking way. We've seen a new a new side of Edge we hadn't really seen. He starts off the match with a bat. Of course, he loses it before he makes any contact. And of you think to, your, to yourself, oh, this is going to be one of those hardcore matches where they just kind of limp their way through, match. and and they tease a bunch of stuff, and nothing happens, and it's like, oh yeah. That's that's going to happen. Okay. But then Edge hits Foley with a spear, but Edge is down on the ground. And he's holding his head and he's holding his shoulder. And you're like, well, what the hell happened? And then Foley takes off his shirt to reveal he had barbed wire wrapped around his midsection. <laughs> so Edge just speared himself with barbed wire. Mick Foley proceeds to cut with a wire cut cutter the barbed wire off of his midsection. Then he wraps it around his hand and performs a mandible claw to Edge with barbed wire around his hand. To make matters better in something you'd never see in today's WWE, uh, Lita comes in to help Edge. Mick Foley gives her the mandible claw with barbed wire. They show her a little bit later. She got a couple nicks on her face. She's bleeding on her face. It wasn't like, you know, pouring blood, but that's something you just didn't see. I mean, they brought in bats uh, wrapped with barbed wire. They brought in the thumbtacks, and you all know I'm a fan of thumbtacks. I've said it before. I'll say it multiple times. Thumbtacks look beautiful. This whole time, all this stuff that's happening, the barbed wire, the thumbtacks, Edge is shirtless. I know a lot of times they're, you know, like the Inferno matches, Kane always lit his arm up that was covered in his bodysuit and, and wrapped her with, with protective shit, you know. This wasn't one of those times. Edge was taking everything full force, and it followed with the iconic moment of Edge spearing Mick Foley off the apron onto a burning table. He ended up getting the three count with that. I mean... You don't see that stuff anymore. No, you the didn't see you it. That was when the Dudley Boys came back and Bubba Ray had dumped the fluid on the table and tried his damnedest to, to light it. Get the lighter to light, he, and that was he, it. He couldn't get it to light, but he tried. Yeah, you just you don't see that anymore. And even at that point, it wasn't the norm, especially fire. Fire was pretty taboo. They do thumbtacks here and there. They do barbed wire here and there. Fire was pretty taboo. So I I think. 
between the fact that it was actually a good match and all of the hardcore aspects and the story leading up to this was that Foley never got his WrestleMania moment. He was known for his Hell in the Cell moment where he fell off the cage with Taker and, and took the big bump. And he was known for his King of the Death match in Japan. And he was known for ECW. And he was known for his feuds with Big Van Vader and Sting in WCW. And he had the Rock and Sock connection and all of his goofy shit in WWE. But he was he never had his WrestleMania moment. And this, it, you know what? If none of that other stuff happened and this match just gave Mick Foley his WrestleMania moment, that one moment that he can say, that was my WrestleMania, I'll put it on the list just for that. Oh, for real. For real. Number three. My number three comes from WrestleMania 23 and is a money in the bank ladder match between Mr. Kennedy, Edge, CM Punk, King Booker, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Finley, and Randy Orton. What a fucking lineup. This this was a good match. I actually... I, I had a few ladder matches, as I said on my list. It came down to two. I watched both of them twice. I picked the IC title ladder match. This was the other ladder match that I was actually considering picking. This is the one I watched twice other than the one I picked. Based on star power alone, man. Oh my you, gosh. I don't think we'd ever see another Money in the Bank with a caliber like this. I mean, unless the Broken Hardys come to WWE now with... Do do a money in the bank with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe and yeah you get Neville and Austin Aries AJ Styles yeah that, that would be a good match Claudio Castagnoli but it would take something along those lines even which isn't going to happen up. they're not going to put those guys all in one match and give all them guys up they're going to give them their own matches as they deserve so yeah you you may never see another star quality ladder match in WrestleMania like this again and for the record CM Punk was not signed to Raw or SmackDown during this match. He was an ECW, a WWE CW guy. Right, right. At the time. Yeah, I think this is the first time. So that's that, two, uh, two uh, ECW guys on our list. Look at that. Having firsts. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Shout out to the hardcore generation. <laughs> well, you know, and, and if anybody deserved it, CM Punk deserved it. He was... He was the flagship of that ECW brand. Oh yeah, and, and if and if Heyman had anything to do with it, CM Punk would have made that brand something special. Not the old ECW, but he would have made it something special. Yeah. Early on in the match, Edge throws a stepladder at CM Punk, busts him open the hard way. Hardcore. He's just leaning into it, waiting for this thing to hit him in the head, and it does. There couldn't have been blading. There was no fake blood packets. This was Hardway with a stepladder. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I watched this match <laughs> twice leading up to this to decide what I wanted to pick. And and I rewound that spot the second time. And Punk doesn't even get his head up. I mean, Edge just literally throws this, this steel stepladder at his head. And just Punk just lets him bust him in the head with it. It's It looked like it hurt. I felt bad for the guy. <laughs> And that was right away at the beginning, within the first five minutes. Right. Man, that, that would be a day to suck to be straight edge. <laughs> I, yeah. would, I would want the whiskey as soon something. as I got out of the ring. Yeah, I need a little something to <laughs> I'd, I'd have to pull the whiskey that. out from underneath the ring <laughs> just to continue the match. Hey, that's Man, the truth. 
there's such a great dynamic between the Hardys um, working together as a team and the fact that Rated RKO had just broke up uh, Edge and Randy Orton's tag team split. Yeah, up. I think it was like the the Monday Night Raw or, or the one before that. Either the one that just before that or, be, you know, just sim- just soon before that. Those two had just split up. So you had the team dynamic, but you also had kind of that, that, that little hatred where they each wanted to get at each other. So they were telling stories in between. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's what it's all about. Especially if you can tell many, many stories within a bigger match with lots of people, that is art. That is what pro wrestling is all about. Exactly. Definitely. The match ends off. uh, Randy Orton hits an RKO on CM Punk from the top of the ladder. Booker T climbs up the ladder and hits Randy Orton with a bookend. Nice. Uh, Ken Kennedy climbs the ladder and he takes it. And I love it. You know what? And Kennedy, I think, is the only person to ever have lost his Money in the Bank title. He was not able to cash in. I know he ended up getting injured. They took it away. He ended up having a wellness violation. He was supposed to be the one who was uh, uh, going to be Vince McMahon's son ver- during that whole. You know, Vince has a son thing. It ended up being a horn swoggle. Vince ended up blowing himself up in a limousine. <laughs> oh, uh, not Owen Hart died. Uh, Benoit. Benoit died. Then he came out the next week, and he was alive, and they forgot it. It was a whole cluster effing fuck. Talk about timing. Oh, Just my terrible. Gosh. Terrible, horrible timing. But you know what? Mr. Kennedy deserved it. I wished he would have gotten more out of his run in, in WWE because he definitely deserved that. But I, yeah, Maybe this we'll was a great back. match. And we I mean, got we got angled back. Maybe I'm so we'll glad again. Like I said with the with the with the Triple H match with Taker, I'm glad you picked this one because I was on on the edge of which one to pick, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm glad you got this so we could discuss both of them. Number three. Number three, I have Cena, Rock. We've already discussed it. You know, it was the. I think the best part about this was the build up up to it. They had such oh, yeah. great promos going up to it. Um, the match was great. Those two always come through in a pinch. This was right about the time Cena became Team Fruity, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you really, you really have nothing more to say about this other than what you already said. What's your number three? My number three was what we just discussed: the Money in the Bank oh, yeah, yeah. ladder match. But my number two... Number two... Is WrestleMania 31's Intercontinental title ladder match with Luke Harper, Stardust, R-Truth, Ziggler, Wade Barrett, and Daniel Bryan. And seriously, Daniel Bryan and Ziggler, headbutt party, need I say more? (laughs) I loved that. That was awesome. That was was a good (laughs) WrestleMania moment. Oh yeah, very much so. Hardcore, fast-paced match. Luke Harper was a standout in this match. Uh, it was it was very solid. It was very solid, and this was like Daniel Bryan's return to the limelight. And I think it was right. a feel-good moment for all of us when he took it, because this was the year that he was in the Royal Rumble and got eliminated early, yep. and Batista won. Yeah, but at least the fans were behind Batista and didn't really care that Daniel Bryan was eliminated. Right? Yeah, yeah, I they mean, weren't they weren't cruel at all. No, I mean they, they did not run him out within three. They months. just accepted the fact <laughs> that Daniel Bryan was out, and you know they took it they took it like a champ. They took it like Triple H took a load on his chest going into his match with Brock Lesnar. Uh, my number two. God, we're getting up there. My number two is what, in my opinion, is the very best Undertaker WrestleMania match of all time. 
I think 90% of folks are going to disagree with me on this, and that's okay. That's why we're here. I'm here to piss you off. I have no other reason to be here. I could be at home, laying in bed, watching TV. But I said, I want to piss a bunch of motherfuckers off. And if so, we, if we succeed this. in doing this, and you have an opinion, <laughs> you wish to voice... Hit me or my cohort up on Facebook, and we will have you on the show Damn to voice right. your opinion. Voice your opinion. Tell me why I'm an asshole. Please. You're not the first person. You're not going to be the last person. I've heard it from women throwing clothes out of their house telling me I'm an asshole. So you know what? Do it. It'd be better to do it on this platform than in front of my friends and neighbors and family. So my number yeah, two. because none of those people listen to this podcast. <laughs> No, my friends don't give a shit about what I have to say. They try to get away from me. I talk too much as it is. Doesn't he ever shut up? My number two is Undertaker versus Edge World Heavyweight Title Match WrestleMania 24. Now, the story going into this one is that Undertaker had never beat Edge up to this point. And uh, again, as we had talked before, Edge was probably the superstar at that time. Oh, yeah. Undertaker was the veteran. He was probably bigger than Edge. But as the mainstream guy who was there day in, day out, every pay-per-view, it was Edge. He was the guy. He had never beaten Edge before. This match, you can see Undertaker perform his normal repertoire. But you also see a lot of top rope stuff. You see him jumping from the apron to the floor over to top rope. You see him wrestle a different type of match. I I like that. I like to see him pull out more stuff. You know, like I said before, with him pulling out the the chain wrestling and all that. This one, you've seen him do a little more high risk, a little more edge styling. He's 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 he able to adapt. Yeah, he's able to adapt to other people's fighting style. That's why he's as iconic as he is. Um, it also has an amazing ending where the Undertaker actually takes a spear, like Edge hits him with the spear, but he still turns it into a Hell's Gate submission, which he had just started using. This wasn't his first time using it, but he had just started using the Hell's Gate submission. So it's kind of cool that he actually took a finisher. It wasn't like he turned it into his Hell's Gate. He took the, the spear, but still turned it into Hell's Gate. I mean, that speaks volumes for the kind of character that Undertaker is. Uh, and you know what? And this is the first time in a WrestleMania streak match that Undertaker won by submission. Edge tapped out to the Hell's Gate, and the only other time that we would see this would be against Triple H. I also love that the last image we see of Edge is him laying on the mat, face up, with blood oozing out of his mouth. It was like, like I said, this, this Hell's Gate finisher was new, and they were pushing how devastating it was. It was like he's bleeding internally and it's oozing out and and there's no hope left for Edge. Like he had nothing else to do but give up because his insides were just bursting. I mean, that's that's the type of visual that sticks with you. It stuck with me. There was great storytelling throughout this whole match. And I feel honestly that this match probably gets overlooked by most people because this happened to be on the same WrestleMania that Shawn Michaels retired Ric Flair. And so I think that that gets all the attention and people oh, yeah. really overlook, and, and, and maybe, you know, rightfully so, but they overlook this this unbelievable, amazing Undertaker match, which I feel is his well, best match, you know? I, I honestly feel... 
when I think of Undertaker's streak, this is the match I first think of. Yeah, and Ric Flair's retirement would have been more poignant if he would have stayed retired. Honorable mentions. Well, my first honorable mention is a throwback to much earlier in your list with Bobby Lashley, with Trump versus Umaga, with Vince McMahon. Well, yeah, how can you not bring it up? You have to bring it up. (laughs) I mean, the man's our president, and he's got Vince's wife working for him. Uh, It's... Right there, right there. Right. You kind of have to do it. I mean, <laughs> beyond all the racism and the borders and the and the, and the the Russians and the grabbing pussies. Racism right. all you want. He picked a black man to, 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 to be his wrestler. So, come on. <laughs> yeah. It probably wasn't his first choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a black man versus a Samoan. These two white guys know how to have diversity in their in their cabinets. Should have been in a cage. <laughs> uh, <coughs> what do you got? Well, uh, one of my honorable mentions, one of my two, WrestleMania 22, Mickey James versus Trish Stratus. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, folks. I was heartbroken that I could not, could not get a women's match in my top 10 best WrestleMania matches of the past decade. But to be honest, even though there's amazing women's matches out there, WrestleMania's not kind to the women. They kind of, I think they just don't, they don't plan for them. They just let them fall wherever they may be. This year's a perfect example. They said, fuck it, we'll throw all the women on Raw in one match, all the women on SmackDown in one match. There's no storylines. We don't give a shit. They put so much emphasis on fucking Flow Rider. <laughs> That they don't care about the women's matches. So I could not give up any of my top tens for a women's match. So I'm putting in my honorable mentions uh, Mickey James versus Trish Stratus, WrestleMania 22. This was Mickey James's first WrestleMania. This was when she had that stalker psycho gimmick where she was Trish Stratus's number one fan. Uh, That's the Mickey James I love. The beginning of her, her career. I mean, and even back then, she was showing her wrestling uh, accoutrement. She was really pulling out... There's a word. Thank you. <laughs> I I wrote that down on my hand, like Mick Foley writes the town <laughs> down on his hand. If you folks can see this through the microphone, it's actually written on accoutrement in my hand. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, they, they put on some good chain wrestling. They put on real holds. They got Indian Deathlocks. Um... She Mickey James uses a single crap. She's working over the leg on Trish, which you don't see a lot in women's matches where they actually target one body part and work on it. The single crab, she pulls out a move where she puts uh, Trish's leg over her shoulder and keeps bending it back. She does that multiple times. She uses the ropes and turnbuckles to her advantage. Actually, at one point, Mickey James is holding Trish in almost a uh, Styles Clash type hold. Trish went for a Hurricane Rana while Mickey was on the top turnbuckle. So these two women are on the top turnbuckle. Folks, this is before the women's revolution. Right. Remember this. So this was out of the ordinary. Holding her kind of like... This was before the divas. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) She's holding her in a Styles Clash type position. and, And Mickey jumps off the turnbuckle to the outside with Trish still on the inside and drapes her knee over the top rope, just yanking it with all of Mickey's body weight. 
It was beautiful. It's stuff you don't see. Even nowadays, they don't pull off stuff like that that much. And you never seen it back then. This was the start. This I, I, I dare say this was the start of the women's revolution. I mean, it was beautiful. And this match is where Mickey gives Trish the infamous crotch grab. I think we've all seen it. We've all seen <laughs> the old all seen the gifts. She she grabbed her by the pussy. <laughs> Trish had her in a hold. Mickey didn't know how to get out of it, so she just goes and and she sells it as as good as Hulk Hogan would sell any <laughs> move he's ever done. She pulls the arm back and she retracts it forward and just grabs her by the pussy. And even the ref isn't sure what to do. He's like, it's a low blow or is it? I don't know. We don't see storytelling in women's Wait, matches, so does, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Does it hurt you or does it feel good? How do I call this? <laughs> it was amazing. And the fans are cheering the heel Mickey throughout the whole match. And the face Trish is getting booze. This is at a time where it was rare to see fans even acknowledge a women's match. It was usually the piss break, the beer break, or the I'm going on my fucking phone break. And the fans are vocal, and they're cheering, and it's great. And I just really wish that I could have put this in my top ten. It was so close, I had to put it in the honorable mentions. Uh, Mickey won it with one of her Mick kicks. It was great. It was amazing. Go watch it. Mickey James... She, she started the WWE Women's Revolution. Women were always powerful. They were always on top. They always had wrestling ability. But in WWE, this, to me, solidified that, hey, they can actually do stuff with women. I love this match. I'm giving it to it. Speaking of women's wrestling, my second honorable mention is none other than Michael Cole versus Jerry the King Lawler from <laughs> WrestleMania 27. And when I think of bitches, <laughs> I think of Michael Cole. Yeah. <laughs> for, for real. Man, this match had had some amusing and hilarious build-up all the way up until Michael Cole showing up with his impenetrable fortress of solitude, which was really just a leftover glass from the from the elimination, like, elimination chamber. chamber. <laughs> for the way it broke, you know, it has to be. <laughs> this match, you know, Michael Cole being coached by Jack Swagger, Jerry the King Lawler finally getting his WrestleMania match. And Michael Cole wearing the ear guards. Yes. Don't forget that. He, he wore the whole setup. Trying. He had the singlet on. He yep. had the singlet. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a special guest referee. Chased Michael Cole the around. The time outside, on our list. Yep. Outside of the ring on an ATV. Michael Cole runs into his impenetrable fortress of solitude. King chases him in, starts beating the hell out of him. Michael Cole tries to climb over. Of course, King grabs the wrestling gear on his head and yanks him back down. Um, then Michael Cole ends up going in and distracting Stone Cold. Jack Swagger gets a cu- couple good pops in, and at this point, you can pretty much call how this match is going to go. Uh, I know in the beginning we all had hopes that King was going to actually win this one. Michael Cole doesn't deserve to win at WrestleMania. No, Michael Cole is undefeated at WrestleMania, folks. <laughs> Undertaker is not undefeated at WrestleMania, and Michael Cole is undefeated at WrestleMania. <laughs> the streak lives, y'all. <laughs> Just wait until Kevin Owens gets his hands on him, though. You know, this one's similar to the whole uh, Donald Trump uh, Vince McMahon match that you put as your other honorable mention and I put at my number 10 
For the gimmickry alone, I understand it. I mean, yeah. they, they built it up. It was a it gimmick match. It was never match. meant to be a serious Fuck thing. I mean, no. granted, it was the death of heel Michael Cole, or right about to the death of heel Michael Cole. It brought you back to the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler feud. Not near as good, but the fact that, yeah, it's Jerry Lawler, the serious wrestler, going against this, this nobody who we know can't wrestle. His gimmick is he can't wrestle. But he's still gonna pull out all stops and win by no means by any means necessary. My last honorable mention, which is also my second honorable mention, which is also my next honorable mention. Which is also not even a match. <laughs> so I don't know why it made it onto your list. That's that's why it's an honorable mention <laughs> and not in the top ten. You know what? I had to throw in the WrestleMania thirty moment when Hulk Hogan comes out. Talks to the fans, accidentally calls it the Silver Dome, <laughs> which, which he got a lot of shit for. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out, talks to him. The Rock comes out. You have three of the biggest names who weren't currently wrestling in WWE at the time in the ring. I, I don't know that there's three bigger names that weren't currently wrestling. You can say Cena, you can say Undertaker, uh, dare you fucking say Shawn Michaels or Triple H, I'll slap you in the face. But either way, none of those people, Shawn Michaels maybe, but I mean, they weren't, none of, these three were not wrestling and they weren't going to wrestle. We knew they weren't going to have a match, but they came out there, we'd never seen those three together. They came out, had a good time. They joked around. Both Stone Cold and Rock ribbed Hulk Hogan for calling it the su- the Silver Dome and not the Superdome. Which you got to give him credit. His biggest WrestleMania was in the Superdome. You can't blame the guy for having that on his mind. Uh, they they shared. Be- I mean, I marked out harder for this than I did when the NWO and DX came out at the Triple H and Sting match. I marked out for this so hard, and I rewatched that WrestleMania a few times, but I rewatched that segment over 10 times. And I still go back to this day. Sometimes when I'm just trying to find something to watch on YouTube, I'll just go and rewatch that segment and just, and I, it warms my heart. It makes me feel like a fan. And adds some more pictures to his crazy psycho stalker cult board. <laughs> I do do that. I put other pictures up there too, and I grab other things also. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie that I don't stroke it to Hulk Hogan every now and then. Hey, 24 inch pythons, brother. Uh, I I love it. I love it. It was it was one of the greatest things that has ever happened in the last uh, decade of WrestleMania, and I had to put it on this list, even though it's not a match. I'm copping out. I'm breaking the rules. This is the first time we had this. If anybody knows me, let alone Beef Sticks Podcast. We're about fucking skidding the rules. We're about going on the outside. We're about thinking outside the box. And we're not going to do what the fuck you want us to do. I'm going to pick what I want to pick. You and want you us to do what lucky. you want to do? You pay for our services. Yes. Because this wasn't cheap. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't put it as one of my top ten. I put it as an honorable mention. Number one moment. <laughs> on that subject, we got the number one. WrestleMania moment of the past decade, according to your Beef Sticks podcast. Alright guys, so my number one is pretty obvious. Bubba's probably going to punch me in the dick for it. But my number one is Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker 
WrestleMania 26, the streak versus the career match. How? I mean, how can you not put it on there? I'm not even going to lie. How can you not put it on there? It's it's classic. I didn't. It's iconic. I didn't, but how can you not? <laughs> if only Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair fell within this bubble, oh. it would have been my number one. But it was hard to not put that on this list. For me, I mean, it was hard to not put that on this list. I, I, I've i always been a big Shawn Michaels guy, big WWE guy. Shawn Michaels, I love a good super kick, and he is the king of the super kick. Yeah, young Bucks, you got, a, <laughs> you got a lot of room to fill there. Big shoes in a super kick city. Shawn Michaels had lost to Undertaker at WrestleMania the year before, and Shawn Michaels was seeking redemption. And so he put his entire career on the line saying that he could and would beat The Undertaker. Right. It didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the infamous Michaels. (laughs) But on the other side, gotta give it to Michaels for actually staying retired after retirement, unlike Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, he, he he, he was asked to come back this year, and he didn't. Yeah, uh, he was going to face AJ Styles, which most people probably would have preferred over Shane McMahon. But I he, think he would have got a better he, wrestling match out of it. Oh, we, well, we know he would have. <laughs> we know that. I mean, those two, I mean, arguably the best of his time and arguably arguably the best of AJ's time. Yeah, why not? I mean, that could have been the best. That could be in our next WrestleMania moments of, of the decade. You know what I mean? Definitely. What I really can't wait to see, and I know the Young Bucks are, are pushing hard for never coming to WWE, but I can't wait till WWE finally gets them, and then Shawn Michaels can like manage them as the Super Kick King. Oh, that would be great! Oh, it would be great because not only I mean the Super Kick. Yes, we know they both have the Super Kick, but they both have amazing in-ring work and the attitude. Oh yeah, I mean follow they the Young so Bucks well on together. Twitter and see if they don't try to piss off everybody they can possibly piss off. And look at Shawn Michaels during the DX run and see if he wasn't just trying to piss off everybody he could piss off. Well, that brings me to my number one. Yeah, I don't think I need to say anything more about this match. Everybody, I think everybody knows everybody about knows this it. match, and if you don't, get your ass on the network and go watch it. The network's free right now until WrestleMania's done, so do it. What a plug. I know, right? Plug. Not even nine ninety nine. Mine is what I feel to be the best feel-good moment in WrestleMania history in the past decade. The thing that made me mark out as a fan the most, and I did this as a fan, WrestleMania 30, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H. The winner oh, yeah. gets to join the triple threat match in the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship. This, this, I mean, the build-up going into this WrestleMania match is infamous. They still talk about it on the network today. JBL just mentioned it not too long ago on the straight, what is it, straight talk? Bring it to the table. Bring it to the table. Which also has a new episode airing this week on the WWE Network. So basically, if for some reason you don't know, WWE was legitimately trying to keep Daniel Bryan out of the main event picture. Vince did not like his look. He didn't like his wrestling style, and he especially didn't like the fact that WD hasn't made Daniel Bryan. This was before the influx of new talent. This was before Triple H tried so hard to get folks in. This was before all of this, folks. The only other person before this was uh, CM Punk. You think and this it. is after CM Punk had turned on them and fucking left and left them with a sour taste in their mouth. They didn't like Daniel Bryan at this point. Think about it. Daniel Bryan was the guy in the Nexus 
who wasn't even part of the Nexus. He was the guy in the Nexus who literally got fired by WWE, but brought back because of fan support. So they already didn't like him. They didn't want him there just for the fact that they didn't even want to bring him back, and they almost had to. I mean, it, it, it it's nuts. But Daniel Bryan was known the world over before ever stepping into a WWE ring. The matches between him and Nigel McGuinness in Ring of Honor are some of my favorite matches ever. And Nigel McGuinness just recently got into WWE, albeit as an announcer on NXT, and he started in the UK tournament. You know what? Go back and scour YouTube for Nigel McGuinness matches. Oh, my God. He doesn't have a bad match. But that's beside the point. The fans, the fans made their voices heard. The fans made sure that we got what we wanted. And Daniel Bryan was not only in WrestleMania, he got two matches that year. I chose this match as my number one because it had better storytelling and it had better in-ring action than the triple threat match for the title. You could argue that the match for the title was better. It was the main event. It was for a title. I can see where you say that was the bigger match, but to me, this had the heart. This had the story. This had the build-up. And those two put on a hell of a match. And knowing Triple H's ego and just knowing the storyline, there I think most people were split 50-50 on if Daniel Bryan would actually win this or if Triple H would win it and go on to the main event. Yeah, because you know Triple H wanted to put himself over. It's, oh, it's WrestleMania. Yeah. That's Triple H's house, really. You know, and, and another reason, I'm not a big fan of triple threat matches. I mean, we, we talked about before, you and I disagree on that. And that's fine. We got the triple threat match. It was it was an amazing match. I'm not even going to talk bad about that match. It was uh, an amazing match. This match opened the show, which uh, also ensured that either wrestler, whether it was uh, Daniel Bryan or Triple H, would have time to recuperate before the main event. During the match, Bryan countered numerous pedigree attempts, as well as kicking out of a pedigree more than once. He managed to turn the fourth or fifth, uh, I'm not sure which one, pedigree attempt, into a finisher of his own. Uh, Triple H had the pedigree like locked in. You could see it was happening. But Brian flipped Triple H's shoulders, backed up, threw him into the corner, and connected with the flying knee before pinning the COO, the legitimate COO of WWE, clean in the middle of the ring. There was no shenanigans. There was nothing to, to question anything. And then the roof blew off of the Superdome. The fans were louder in this match than they were the rest of the whole fucking card. You wouldn't even believe how well. I mean, everybody wanted... This is what people wanted to see. People tuned in for this match opener. You wouldn't believe it. But, after the match, Triple H proceeded to beat the living shit out of Daniel Bryan. Of course, Stephanie came in. She gave a smack here or there and, and slapped him up also. But Triple H was, was all but ensuring that, that Daniel Bryan would not be 100% and would not win the title that night. But... I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you all know what happened that night. He ended up winning. We got that WrestleMania moment. They can't take that away, no matter what else happens in Daniel Bryan's career. To me, the past decade 
this, this is what made me feel like a wrestling fan more than anything else in the past decade. This was my WrestleMania moment. This, this was Fat Max WrestleMania moment. And that's why I give it the number one spot right there. All right, guys. I guess uh, that's about all the time we have for the show. Thanks for sticking around with us, and uh, at least this time we didn't bring you a three-hour. I don't clusterfuck know. <laughs> WrestleMania, an overabundance like a WrestleMania. Uh, we hope that you like the hot tag segment. We plan on many more of those to come. Like we've said, let us know in Facebook uh, comments what you would like us to discuss. Otherwise, we got plenty of stuff that we ourselves want to discuss, debate back and forth. We enjoy doing this. It's fun to relive some of these moments and and remember some of the things that you don't quite you don't quite keep inside that head of yours with uh, twenty seven hours of wrestling each week. Right, you know. Right. <coughs> We are going to plan on going live next week, Thursday, 8 p.m., post-WrestleMania show, bringing it to you. We welcome call-ins. We welcome folks that want to be heard. We want to hear your voices. What do you think of the WrestleMania that had just passed? What do you think of the podcast so far? What do you want to bring up that we've been shying away from and are too afraid to discuss? What have we gotten wrong that you just want to call us out on? Yeah. <laughs> call call up and just berate us and tell us how horrible we are. Shit, do it. I'm all right with that. Either way, we want to hear from you. We got a lot more to talk about. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. We have updates continuously on there. We got uh, so much more in store for you in the weeks, months, and the year to come. Never stray away from us. We're not going to let you down. We're doing all of this for you. We love it. We enjoy it. What else have we got, Pasty? Well, if you are also a Minnesota music junkie, you might want to tune into the Northern Lights Stoned Out Sundays podcast this Sunday at noon. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we are bringing you guys special guests from the likes of Professor Fresh and Ooh. Fat C. Uh, this is all in preparation for the 427 Barbecue in Mankato. It's a free concert. Uh, I expect anybody listening to this to just be there. I don't care. I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah, Beast Nicks will be in the house. Northern Lights will be in the house. Come, City will get be our house. autograph. Take a picture with us. Feel free. <laughs> grab Bubba's tits a little bit. He likes that kind of I'll thing. let you do it. You can grab any part of me <laughs> you want. You walk up and you say... I'm a listener to Beef Sticks Podcast, and I will give you carte blanche to grab me anywhere you want to grab me. <laughs> but you have to mention Beef Sticks Podcast. Oh, man. <clears throat> we got a lot coming for you guys. And, you know, three weeks in, and I think we've already given you guys quite a bit of material. Um, if you think our podcast is too long, let us know. We'll try to shorten it up. I can't promise you it's going to happen. We tried to shoot shorter <laughs> this week, and I'm pretty sure we're still at the three-hour threshold. Right. Uh, I guess that's about all there is to say. With that being said, hope you all have a good week. Enjoy WrestleMania. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on WrestleMania, your thoughts on Beef Sticks Podcast. Yeah, I've been Pasty White. I'm Fat Mac. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week live.